0: You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon.
1: in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman has shown Gotham her true color. It's unfortunate. To me. Strong. For some clown who thinks he's Batman. I am
0: Batman. I hate to save both. You see, I'm both Bruce Wayne and Batman. Not because I have to be. Now,
2: Because I choose to be. Welcome, citizens of Gotham the eternal night, a podcast dedicated to the world's greatest detective, the dark knight of the DC universe, Batman. I am your host, Craig Blaylock, alongside my heroic co-host, Philip Parker. Thank you for joining us. Phil, how you doing?
1: I'm great, Craig. That was a great job at our new intro. That's, that's Yeah. And, you know, props to you for coming up with it. I'm very
2: proud of you. Thank you. Trying to trying to expand my repertoire i guess trying to get some more creative juices flowing
1: well they are much appreciated
2: uh, yeah so yeah so we are man it's already almost been a week since well it has been a week it's been a week since the batman
1: it ha- well, it's been a week since we've seen the Batman. we've seen
2: the batman yes yeah it's been a couple of days since the actual like worldwide premiere
1: this is true. Uh, we are, as of this date, it is March the 8th. We are now kind of a week into Bat- the Batman being released to the world. Uh, last I checked, uh, the the opening weekend numbers are in. It's at um 134
2: domestic with
1: like 248 million worldwide, something like I've,
2: that. I think the last I saw, I think they were shooting towards like 265 total, or no, 265 international.
1: Mm-hmm. Let me see
2: latest weekend
1: okay so Batman domestically speaking has 134 million opening um, where uh, right now worldwide total is sitting at 269 million dollars. Um, And again, this is just per box office mojo. This movie is also not part of a a day and date thing. Warner Brothers is no longer doing that. As of 2022, this movie will be on HBO Max um, starting April 19th. Um, I don't know how long for, but I know for sure that is when the streaming date hits. And if the rumors are to be believed regarding some um, listings, I think I want to say somewhere... Scotland or Sweden, I don't know. Somewhere over in Europe, there's there's already Steelbook listings releasing for what might be May of this year. Okay. So, you know, April, May is when we get to, you know, kind of watch this movie in the comfort of our, our, our own homes. But uh, let me ask you something, Kirk. How many times have you seen The Batman?
2: One so far, but I am going for a second time tomorrow. Hmm. Okay. So, I'm excited.
1: I am... I have seen the movie three times as of this recording. Uh, I saw it it the once the Tuesday night fan Mm -hmm. screening in IMAX, which was just absolutely spectacular. If I do say so myself, Uh, I saw it Saturday night with one old coworker from one job. And then on Sunday I saw it with our good pal, Terrence Litton, who I haven't seen in a long, long time. It was really nice catching up with him. And he actually, you know, what's funny. He actually ran into Jeremiah in the lobby.
2: Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. It was was (laughs)
1: hysterical. But uh, we saw it again uh, at 1 p.m. our time here uh, in California time, Pacific Standard Time. And just, you know, um, without really kind of rehashing what we've already talked about, I'll just go ahead and say, like, the movie feels the exact same for me. Every single time, my issues... I even have multiple, only just kind of the one. Um, Literally, like my issues with it stayed the same every single time. I I still feel very strongly about this movie. It Mm -hmm. is still, hands down, in my opinion, the best solo Batman film ever made. And I will continue to echo that drum.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've only seen it the one time, um, but I can't imagine my... Opinion changing upon a second viewing. If anything, it's going to get stronger, I think. Oh, (laughs) I mean, I I still still today. I'm still replaying scenes from that movie in my head. I'm I always have that damn theme running through my head every day while I'm sitting at work. I just hear the Batman theme going over, over over in my head.
1: Well, you know, I feel like that movie really had a really large impact on us in that, you know, it finally. It was it was the movie we've been anticipating to talk about on this podcast yep. the podcast logo in and of itself is red and black in the same color scheme that this movie is mm-hmm. even, the, even though the bat is kind of a an, um the way i did the logo for the bat is it's it's like a um a ripple effect through like the the bigger bat from uh, yeah. i want to say the dark knight returns was the logo yeah. i ended up using but then i also had a pair of red ghost eyes that i could use and you know instead of just doing the white eyes that you do for batman i was like you know what no the red looks better and so that's that's kind of how I formulated the Eternal Night logo that we use for every single show.
2: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I know. And I, I actually just randomly, uh, while I was getting dinner ready tonight, I just decided I was like, well, we're going to be recording again soon. So I went back and I listened to our episode on the fandom trailer. Mm-hmm. And just hearing that compared to now post seeing it, we were so blown away by that fandom trailer and it got us so excited about this movie and it is so refreshing to now be at this point look back on it and go man it met all my expectations and it blew me away in just about every every possible expectation that i had for the film
1: i'm right there with you you know i can't i really can't stop thinking about how great this movie is i i yeah. replay scenes in my head or like i i just think of just certain little ticks or Peaks, just, man, everything with the Riddler I just absolutely adored because he's mm-hmm. my favorite villain of, like, of the movie. Like, I know there's, you know, there's obviously the Penguin, there's Carmine Falcone, mm-hmm. Catwoman's kind of an anti-hero, but, but really, like, I'm I'm just enthralled by how great of a job that mm-hmm. Matt Reeves and Paul Dano did with crafting that character and bring it to life, and he's still alive! He can come back for a sequel, I'm so happy.
2: Yep. I just <laughs> I did, again, I just keep playing little things in my head. But you could have pulled that punch. I did. Well, <laughs> just you little know, things like that.
1: That whole scene, you know, you saying Kenzie Moonlight's yeah. for the penguin. Yeah. And then the way Batman just cr- just cracks Gordon, I-, I laugh every time. I know it's probably not the most appropriate scene to laugh at, but it makes me well,
2: laugh every time. Just their, their manner, like the way they're standing and the way they're talking. Because then the police are looking at him like, Man, they really seem like they're getting angry at each other and they're having an argument. When really, they're like, "Okay, how are we going to get you out of here?"
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they don't tr- either one of them don't trust any of the cops by that point yeah. in the movie, which I think is brilliant, by the way.
2: Yep. And then the one cop, the snitch cop, comes into frame, and Batman's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I'm I'm really screwed in this room right now." Exactly. And the, you know.
1: I really, I've been talking about this movie with a lot of different people. Um, I was invited on the world's finest show last Sunday to talk about it. I got it. I got on after I'd seen the th- seen it the third time. There's a huge panel of people, really fun. Thank you, Joey, Meg, and Anthony for having me on. That was a lot of fun getting to chat it up with a lot of other people. And this, you know, I've been, again, you know, I've been really loving talking about this movie, and I love hearing a lot of other opinions about it. For the most part, it feels like a lot of other Batman fans that I've interacted with really do feel largely the same about it there are a few who who have you know their gripes and i can understand that like i i know a few people weren't too big on the aesthetic of the Riddler. matter of fact uh, my friend admir who i saw it with on saturday night he wasn't too big on the riddler's look but when i saw it with terrence terrence and i
2: feel the exact same way like we love paul Dano mm-hmm. as the riddler and
1: the look the whole nine
2: yeah i mean i do understand people's criticisms of the riddler's look and even I've even heard some people say, like, the voice is a bit too much, like,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I
2: get it, but I'm sorry, it's just, it's it's the way opinions work, I, I'm i fascinated by it, I don't see how you can't look at that and think that he did an absolutely wonderful job in the role. So I actually made a
1: tweet that's kind of catching some fire today. Uh, oh, yeah? Fire in a good way. So I <laughs> I was listening to another show earlier today, and, and I'm just... There, there was an, a sentiment echoed in that. Basically, the point was that the Batman is riffing the Dark Knight beat, almost beat for beat, in certain respects. And I'm just like, mm. yeah, no, that ain't it, Chief. No, uh-uh. It that's that's it.
2: shooting a three pointer and watching the ball just go into the crowd.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I just, I, I don't echo that same sentiment no. whatsoever. I think they are two completely different. I said, I said. If you think the Batman is riffing The Dark Knight, I've got nothing for you. The two movies are not at all like each other.
2: At Mm -hmm. all. No. And I think that's... uh, What's the best way to say this without getting dirty? Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Essentially, and and I get it, people love The Dark Knight. I totally understand. I think... There are people right now who just cannot comprehend that there is a movie that is just as good, if not better, than it. It's one of those things that they never anticipated that movie would ever be equaled or topped. So now that all this praise is coming out for this film, for it's just the way fans get. They just feel the need to defend and to trash the other thing that is getting praise. It's a very strange thing in fandom. It happens in video games. It happens in comic books. happens in comic book movies. The sense of like, oh, you're saying that this thing is better than my thing. How dare you? I need to get my sword and shield out and go defend it.
1: It wasn't even so much like, you know, this is better than that. It was so. It was more like, oh, I've seen this before in this movie. And uh, the, yeah, the, no. point, the point being made was like, oh, well, you know, the signal went up in the sky and the criminal got scared. It's like, okay... In the Dark Knight, it happens with one scene. It happens yeah. with one criminal in particular, and it's just some random mook who goes, Oh, I got the better chance of running the powerball into him. Whereas in the Batman, it's an entire opening sequence. Mm-hmm. You know? And and not only that, I've seen this happen in a couple different mediums. Like the signal goes up and criminals get spooked. That that's not exclusive to the dark knight. <laughs> yeah. So that's I, kind of, I...
2: that's kind of the whole point of the bat signal. Right. <laughs> and and honestly, to
1: be brutally honest i honestly think this is the nicest way i can say it without not being completely mean to christopher nolan christopher nolan did the homework right yeah. matt reeves understood the assignment yes that
2: is a perfect way of saying it
1: and so the, another thing i heard was oh you know the, the ending of the movie is the same because he rides off on him i was like oh my
2: god that's just you're just pulling his strings there then I mean, you're just you're uh, pulling at strings, grasping at straws. <laughs>
1: I was like, oh, "Okay, Batman on a motorcycle. What a concept! <laughs> yeah. I
2: haven't seen that before."
1: Oh wait, yes, I have numerous times. Batman '66. Yeah. The Dark Knight, Batman the animated series, um, Super Friends. Come on, like this, 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 this shit is not exclusive no. to Christopher Nolan's version of the character. And yeah. it, it's to me, if you're going to try and compare this film to that film in such a narrow-minded way, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sorry, I I really have no interest in entertaining that. That's, to me, it's just disingenuous, number one, because Christopher Nolan and Matt Reeves are two completely different filmmakers, and they set out to do very different things with the character of Batman.
2: Yeah. It's just for, for you and me and for people like us, Reeves has made more of an impact on us. That's just the... Way it boils down, his vision matches more along the lines of something I have wanted to see on the screen in terms of Batman my entire life, and he accomplished it. Agreed. I, I couldn't have
1: said it better myself because, you know,
2: I'm a, anyone who knows me knows
1: I'm not, you know, the the biggest advocate for the Nolan. T- I mean, I like it just fine. I do. I really do like Batman Begins. I really like The Dark Knight. Matter of fact, The Dark Knight's in my top five Batman films. So, mm-hmm. you know. Like, I really do like that movie, but the Batman is leaks and bounds better than the entire trilogy, in my yeah. humble
2: opinion. I mean, In my know. opinion, too. I, I believe that this is the definitive Batman movie. It is, in my opinion, better than every other Batman movie that has come before it.
1: I put it in the same kind of league as, you know, BVS and Zack Snyder's Justice League, but that's a whole yeah. other different kind of conversation. Uh, then
2: you're going to get a whole different kind of, people coming after you on that one. Oh,
1: I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. But you know, let them Hashtag come. Hashtag
2: restore the night <laughs> Hey, y'all
1: want to throw the hate mail. It's that unfiltered. Twitter, yep. Instagram, or you can even email me or even email the show. EternalNightPod at gmail.com.
2: I will say the one thing, cause I have been thinking about this and I've been taking notes and everything. The one thing in terms of just, uh, there are two different visions, but there is one solid thing that I can say without a shadow of a doubt, in my opinion, that Reeves did better than all three of Nolan's movies is the combat. Well, oh, hit hmm. the fight scenes in the Batman are leaps and bounds better than any fight scene in the three Nolan movies. Nolan definitely has a good vision. He is a great director. He does some fantastic shots.
1: Great dialogue.
2: He cannot. He can't do Batman fight scenes. I'm sorry. The bat, the fight scenes in the Nolan movies are just not good.
1: You know, I used to be really mean to that trilogy, and I used to be exquisitely vile because, you know, I, I was an asshole growing up. I, <laughs> I'm still working on it, but, you know, in that same vein, it was just, you know, it was it was like a punching bag for me. It was really easy because anyone, any time anyone asked me about Batman, they asked me about the Nolan Trilogy, I'd, be like, I'd scoff at it. You know, I'd be, I'd be kind of a jerk about it, but now... I'm a little bit more reserved. I I appreciate those movies for what they are. Thanks to a lot of really good friends, you know, Mm -hmm. both on and off the internet, and you know, I've accepted those movies for what they are. They may not be, you know, my my perfect idea of what Batman is, but I look at the I look at the fight scenes, and I'm just like, you know, Christopher Nolan's great at a lot of things. He really Mm -hmm. is. Like he's an exceptional visionary. But I think when it came to -to hand-to-hand combat action the batman trilogy that he created was really his first foray into that it was so even though a lot of it for the most part i think begins has a really solid sequence when batman first shows up and he takes out Falcone's goons at the docks i think that one's good
2: Yeah. yeah because he's not he's not exactly fighting them he's just you know swooping in and taking them out
1: right but when you get to the more, you know, really action-heavy stuff, like the the beginning of The Dark Knight, where he's taking out, you know, all the goons and Scarecrow and all mm-hmm. that shit, and even, like, going into The Dark Knight Rises, where they're literally fighting in broad daylight. Yeah. I'm
2: like, yeah, it's... It's too cluttered, and there's just no... I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe. It's a lot of throwing punches and blocking and the camera just the camera always just gets too close for me well, especially think... in batman begins some of those fight scenes yeah it's <laughs> like whoa what's going on where am i right now all i see is moving
1: well it really stands out and rises because when they're fighting at like the capitol or whatever and you know bane and batman are having their fight and there's, you know it's pretty hyper focused on them fighting if you pay close enough attention to everyone fighting in the background yeah. it, it yeah. literally <laughs> looks like they're just swinging arms yeah, it's you know?
2: just yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And
1: so, when when time came around for BVS, you know, there's that f- freaking amazing warehouse fight yep. with Affleck, Affleck's Batman, and you know all of them, all of Luthor's goons. Like that, to me, is still top tier Batman action. There's yep. no question in my mind about that. And I I do think that, that a lot of what Reeves did in the Batman, it's not quite there, but you can see him getting there. Yeah, you know what I mean?
2: It's still he did a very interesting thing that I think normally doesn't work in action movies, honestly. So if you think about it in a lot of action movies, it's the hero, whoever it is, and not just comic book movies. This is a a fault to many movies. Mm -hmm. It's one guy versus a bunch of people, and they each take a turn trying to get to him. Sometimes, yes, he fights more than one or two at the same time. But it's very choreographed so that it has a flow to it. What I think Reeves did good here is when Batman's surrounded by dudes, he's getting the crap kicked out of him. Mm -hmm. But he's got that suit so he can withstand it. So even though he is getting hit by like you know five, six guys at a time, he's still dishing out punishment and he's able to fight back. And Reeves does the smart thing of pulling the camera back enough so we can see it happening.
1: You know, what comes to mind is immediately after Batman walks up to the Iceberg Lounge, he clowns Tweedledee yeah. and Tweedledum, because yeah. that's what I'm calling him in my head. Yep. You know, he clowns the two of them, and then we get this really nice one-er shot of mm-hmm. Batman as he f- stalks into the Iceberg Lounge. You see the camera, you know, go from the frontal point of view to Batman, and it goes all the way around to the back, and then it cuts to where the action begins, and you really do get a really great sense of... Of how Reeves shot a lot of the, you know, physical action sequences in this, mm-hmm. you really do see Batman like take blows, but you also see him deliver it, and that's that scene. In my opinion, is is a really good showcase of it. And yeah. then it, you know, it tops off with you know, Batman about ready to strike Penguin. He goes, "Oh hey, take it easy, sweetheart." <laughs> Just, oh, man. Ah, yeah, beautiful, 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 beautiful movie. I can't wait to own it. I can't wait to watch it again. And honestly given what what we're kind of anticipating and what we're here to talk about. Mm-hmm. If anyone wants to go to ratalada.com, R-A-T-A-L-A-D-A.com, this is the site that was used in promotion for the Riddler to promote the movie, going all to it. You click on it, it says click for reward, you get a nice little riddle from the Riddler and his cipher from the movie, but it's also going up to a loading screen. As of right now, this recording, it is at 62%. There is a lot of speculation that it very well could be Lead, you know the, whatever the reveal is it more than likely might be a reveal to the next movie so i started thinking about this and i shot craig a message me almost immediately before my shift ended at work today i was like hey what <laughs> if our next episode was villains we want to see in the batman universe i.e this version of batman matt reeves the batman reeves verse <laughs> yeah i guess that'd be the best way to call it the <laughs> I, don't, I don't
2: really know how else to say it
1: <laughs> pattinson verse? i don't know <laughs>
2: Not really sure, sure,
1: but because, you know, this this movie was jam packed with a lot of the villains and especially it was actually jam packed with the initial four from the 66 movie. You know, it had all four of them. It had Riddler, Penguin, Catwoman and the Joker. Yeah. So I started thinking, well, you know, the the cast and crew are making the rounds. It's pretty much inevitable. They are more than likely going to make a sequel. Um, Robert Pattinson, Paul Dano have even like hinted maybe that the cord might be the antagonist for the next film, which I would love, Mm-mm. but that's really kind of where, where, the idea for this episode sprung up was, you know, Craig and I have, and Terrence, of course we, you know, we did a, you know, our top 10 villains episode and we, we, we're kind of, there also speculating of villains we'd love to see in the Batman. And, and ultimately I was like, well, you know, that would be a fun episode villains in Batman's rogue gallery that we would like to see in this universe. Um, so, and, and you know, We'll also top this episode off at the end with another episode of Batman the Enemy Series. Don't worry, folks. We got you. But, yeah. Yeah. We we have about f- f- maybe 15 to 20 villains between the two of us. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I know, I, it's I getting know,
2: pretty... Looking at the list we have, yeah, we're definitely at that range. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because I, I don't know... I know a few of Craig's. Craig knows one or two of mine. But outside of that, we do not know who's on whose list. Um, I know I've got a couple of honorable mentions. Craig actually managed to do his honorable mentions right before we started recording.
2: Yeah. Because at first I was like, man, how am I even going to have time to do honorable mentions? Like, oh, here we go.
1: (laughs) And I guess we're just, I'm going to list off my honorable mentions. I don't really want to talk too much about them. But um, for for the most part, the way we're doing this is we have our honorable mentions. We're going to talk about them briefly. Uh, Then we'll move to side antagonists. And these are characters in which I think can operate in that that Catwoman-Penguin kind of territory where they're not necessarily the main antagonist, but they absolutely serve the story in one way or another. And I feel like the list that I've accompanied, and I'm sure Craigslist will probably reflect the same, and then finally we move into the main antagonist, the characters we would really like to see take up the spotlight as the central antagonist for the next Batman film.
2: Yeah, worse for me.
1: So, um, my honorable mentions list, I'm just going to go through them here pretty quickly and maybe list off the reason why I'm not too, why why they're on the honorable mentions list. Uh, First and foremost, the first one that I have is uh, none other than the brooding menace known as Bane. Now, anyone who's seen the Batman, there is a point in the movie at the end where he does Mm -hmm. kind of inject himself with a green fluid. It is, you know, at first I thought it was adrenaline, but now the more I think about it, the more I've talked to people, very well could be Venom.
2: It's exact, honestly, when that scene happened and I saw the green vial, I was like, is he Is he doing what I think he's doing? And cool. then he injects it and, and he, he goes ham on Exactly. Dude.
1: He goes ham, goes into a fit of rage, and it's like, that's familiar.
2: Yep. I was sitting there going, oh, okay, Reeves. I see what you're kind of hitting at. Okay. And it's not that I
1: don't want to see him as either a main or central antagonist. Mm-hmm. The only reason I've kept him off is because – he was in the dark Knight rises and i don't know that they would be quick to use bane that quickly again or if they're even going to use him not say in this universe but in the dc extended universe where the other dc characters are currently encapsulating you know wonder woman aquaman flash he very well could pop up on a future suicide squad roster or something to that effect i don't know um but that is the reason bane is the first on my honorable mentions next up i have is uh
2: This one, he was my first honorable mention as well.
1: Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I have Rachel Gu on here because, again, you know, Liam Neeson really did a great job knocking out that version of the yep. character to some extent in Batman Begins. But I also feel like he's not really a possibility because he's also been done a couple different times after that in television, both yeah. in Arrow and in Gotham. And I don't know that if you do that character again in this universe, it might feel like too much retreading. On what Nolan did, because that's the, what the, I'm thinking too. Because there really is only one way to do the character, right? You have him mm-hmm. be the League of the League of Assassins, League of Shadows, whatever the hell you want to call it, whatever you know. You, and that's kind of the gist of the character. I don't know what you do differently with it. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. one well, the other thing too is, you know, with Ra's Ghoul, most of the time his primary goal is to wipe out Gotham, and right. we've already got a villain from this first movie that is very much like. I want Gotham off the map. Mm -hmm. So I feel like maybe if he were, if Rachel were in there, it just, it would be that kind of like, oh, they're doing this again. We've already seen this. Right. Granted it would be in a much different way because Rachel has a very distinct way of doing that kind of stuff, but it would still be the same kind of goal that we at this point have already seen.
1: Yeah. And I, I just feel like he, he could maybe use a break, all things considered.
2: Yeah. no. too much, too much too soon.
1: The only way I would be accepting of it is if is is if they just just jumped right into Damian Wayne as being Robin. Yeah. That is literally That would be the, interesting. Only way. And the only thing that really kind of gives credence to that is in the the prequel audiobook that I listened to before The Batman. It does say that Bruce did travel around the world after his time in Gotham. He did spend some time around the world. I'm like Mm. Uh, mm, Yeah, he could meet a Talia, and he could... Yeah, maybe he
2: met a woman named Talia. Exactly.
1: And if you wanted to just skip, you know, Dick, Jason, and Tim, and go right into Damien, I feel Which I gotta
2: be honest, a a character like Damien Wayne would definitely fit in this world.
1: I I agree. And honestly, it would also be a, a complete juxtaposition to what people are used to as far as Robin's concerned, because... Could you imagine, like, you know, this version of Batman, and he's already gone through dealing with his rage and being the mm-hmm. vengeance and doing that, and then now he's presented with a child who is just that incarnate, but it's even worse because yeah. he's a killer?
2: Which would bring, I think that would make for actually a really interesting storyline, because he's gone through his transition after the first film. Now he's like, okay, I went through mine, I gotta help this kid get through his. Because and he's my son. Just, yeah, yeah. I mean I have this you know unspoken loyalty to him I have this responsibility to him and all he wants to do is go out and massacre every crime every criminal out there
1: yeah because I think in one of his first appearances Damien's first appearances, he like beheads one villain brings it back to the Batcave <laughs> it's it's gnarly it's Oops. it's it's pretty gnarly yeah um I'm a huge fan of of the Batman and Robin reborn run and that's where Dick Grayson is Batman and Damian Wayne is Robin. That was right after Final Crisis and everyone presumed Bruce Wayne was dead. So I feel like that is also maybe a reason why you might not want to tread down those waters because there are some hardcore fan, not me, but you know there are some, you know, continuity nerds who are like, "No, Damian Wayne is Dick Grayson's ba- he's Dick Grayson's yeah. Robin and it's like, <laughs> okay champ, in New 52, yeah. Damian Wayne is Bruce Wayne's Robin, so good luck there." Yep. But yeah, getting back to our mentions, my number two is Rachel Gould. My number three, Calendar Man.
2: Yeah, you know, I had Calendar Man on there for a second, and I took him off. But that's a good one. I like yeah. that. I I just,
1: I just don't think Julian Day has that that presence or that mm-hmm. that just that notoriety. And I think just he's just kind of a one trick character, and and you kind of have to if you were going to do that character. I mean, Calendar Man. There's kind of an implication there that you might have to do like you know a year-long type of story maybe but i don't know i'm just i would like to see it but at the same time i'm like "Eh, i don't think it's gonna happen
2: no i don't think so either
1: um number four i have is i I mentioned this to you was um black mask and i would love for it to happen purely to give this version of penguin another adversary in terms of crime boss I just don't think it's going to happen because of how soon we've already seen this character in another movie, i.e. Birds of Prey.
2: Yep, that's what I was thinking, too. He was in my honorable mentions as well Um, for that exact same reason. Like, I would love to see Matt Reeves' take on Black Mask. I think that would be fantastic to see. But, again, it just recently happened. I don't think he's going to pull that character out for that.
1: And my last honorable mention, honestly, I could see it being an either-or for both main and side antagonist the phantasm andrea beaumont oh okay i would love to see it in live action but again i'm, I'm it's almost like the same with calendar man i just don't think the notoriety is there
2: yeah or popularity i, I guess would be the yeah. more
1: appropriate word um but yeah the, the, those are my five honorable mentions uh you mentioned black mask and racial ghoul are yep. on yours so Who are your other three, if you don't mind me asking?
2: Um, My other ones, and honestly, all of these three are ones that I would love to see Reeves do, and I would love to see them in this world, but I think given what we have seen from this first movie, I think they're just a bit too out there, a bit too fantastical in a way that I can't it would really have to take something like to the degree of what he did to Riddler, but even on a higher scale for these mm-hmm. characters to work. So my other three honorable mentions. Um, I'm sorry, Terrence. Number one, Killer Croc. <laughs> I think Killer Croc could really work, but I just don't know how Reeves would he be like a guy with a skin condition. Would it? Would he go full out and say he's some kind of mutated, you know, monster? I just don't see it fitting in this world. And I know that Terrence loves Killer Croc, but I just, I don't think we're going to see Killer Croc anytime soon in the Reeves verse.
1: I don't think we're going to see it anytime soon, probably because he was in Suicide Squad. But yeah. to, to your point, um, I feel like you would have to do some something a little bit more real world with the character to make it fit in this world. So mm-hmm. I, I, I can understand the sentiment.
2: Um, my other one, and again, just because of the what it would take to bring this character in, but also because, like, I really like this character, mainly from a particular DC animated movie. Um, My other honorable mention is Owlman. Oh. I would really like to see Reeves do Owlman now that I've seen what he is capable of with these comic book characters. I love Owlman in Justice League Crisis on Two Earths. I really liked his portrayal in that. I loved how he was this kind of pseudo Batman, like he was Batman, but on another level in terms of like his viciousness and his cold heartedness. Mm -hmm. And I really would like to see that in this world. But how do you go about doing that? Would it just be, you know, Someone who's inspired by Batman but isn't impressed with what he's now doing. I'm I'm talking like future movies because we now see that going forward, Pattinson is not going to be the vicious I'm vengeance Batman. He's going to be a changed Batman by the next film. So would he do something like a character that gets upset or angry that he's no longer striking fear as much as he was into people? He's no longer that vengeful crusader so this guy takes up the owl man mantle and goes out there and start maybe they don't straight up call him owl man but he's like a alternate Batman going out there and causing bringing out the justice that he feels should be happening in Gotham
1: well you could probably also throw in a superiority complex in there in that you know some yeah, people exactly. think owls are superior to bats what have yep. you but yeah I'm sure owls might come up in this conversation somewhere down the line we'll see Mm-hmm but um, who
2: else and do you then, have? Uh, my last honorable mention, and again, just because this is the number one one, I think I've brought it up on the podcast before. I would love to see Reeves tackle this character, but in terms of the world, I just don't know if it would ever work. Um, Man Bat. I would really, really like to see Reeves do Man Bat, but I just don't think it'll work.
1: I'm not ready to talk about Man Bat.
2: <laughs> okay. I'll just uh, leave it at that,
1: but I am not ready to talk about Manbat yet, <laughs> but that's a, okay. I, I can understand that. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe when I am ready to talk about it, I might change your mind a little bit, but yeah, you know, we'll see. Um, so, uh, the way we're going to do this, we have now gotten to the point in the show where we are going to do our 10 villains that we would love to see one at a time. I'm gonna, we're going to go back and forth, uh, one at a time. Um, I'd Rochambeau you, but your camera's not on. So if you, <laughs> want, if you want to go first with your first, since I did my honorable mentions first, by all means, buddy.
2: Yeah. So for my first, so we're doing the side characters first, right? Yes. Yes. So my first side character is kind of a an all in one thing. Um, I think these characters. So I'll just put it out there. It's the rest of the Falcone family.
0: Oh, so okay. So I'm
2: I'm talking Sophia Gigante, mm-hmm. Alberto Falcone, and Mario Falcone. Okay. I would be very interested given what happens in this movie. You got to imagine Falcone, he wasn't the only one. There's others out there. So oh, sure. maybe yeah. these three come to Gotham because of what happened to their father in this first film to try to either keep their empire going or to combat what is going to eventually be going on in the future of this franchise. And, but again, I don't think they would be central villains. I think they would kind of how Falcone was in this film. Yes. He was a important character to the story, but he wasn't a, he wasn't a out, out and out threat in this film. He was a threat to Catwoman because of their ties. Right. But he was not, I mean, he was not like the main goal of Batman in this film. Um, So I could see these three, the Falcone family, still being out there and being kind of a part of the world and being a threat in a way. But I don't foresee them being like central primary characters. But it would be interesting to see Reeves bring them into this.
1: I think at the very least, they would make great foil for a penguin who's trying to come out on top, especially after this movie. I feel like that's that's a really great route to go down. Yeah, so I I can appreciate that, especially his oldest daughter. Um, damn it, what's her name? Um, Sophia, right? Yeah, Sophia. Yeah, Sophia, yeah, Sophia. Sophia yeah, 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 Gigante. Her, absolutely. I think I think she would absolutely be a force to be reckoned with opposite of Oswald. Even even mm-hmm. just for Batman too, and yeah. uh, it, and also considering the ties, Selena. Yeah, like I think it's at the end of the long Halloween, like. She tries to save her sister,
2: and it mm-hmm. doesn't happen. Doesn't didn't quite work out that way. right?
1: <laughs> but yeah, that, that's a good... I I toyed with one of the other families, but I will mention it way later. Okay. If that makes any sense, if if, yeah, you're, yeah. Catch, if you're catching my drift. But, mm-hmm.
2: I, yeah, I get what you're going.
1: So my number 10, I guess, my first side antagonist... Um, I'm just going to go out and say it. Pamela Isley, Poison Ivy.
2: You know, I was toying with her too. Um, she didn't end up being in my lists, um, but I was toying around with that. I think that's a good pick.
1: I think, personally, there is a way to kind of do her character in, in a real sense. Mm-hmm. I'll, and I'm going to keep going back to Planet of the Apes because he didn't make the first movie, but the science for how that character become, how Caesar becomes who he is, is, mm-hmm. for all, lack of a better word here, real. Yeah, to some extent or another, like you, you buy that. I do think that there is a way to do characters, you know, like Poison Ivy, like a, a, another character that I'm going to get to. Mm-hmm. But, but mostly, I would love to see not so not so much her as a main antagonist, like she was in Batman and Robin. There's obviously a level of seductivity yeah. <laughs> there. There's a level of sexiness that goes along with that character. But for me, I would really like to see the laid back Poison Ivy, the one that has a relationship with Catwoman. Maybe mm-hmm. even by relationship, I mean friendship because yeah. I don't think they were ever a thing in the in the books. I know Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy have had relationships, or had yeah. a relationship, I should say. I don't think
2: Catwoman's ever messed around with Poison Ivy.
1: But they've maintained friendship. I know for sure, yeah. like, even just from the memory, the, the Arkham games, they for sure have a friendship.
2: They know each other, yeah.
1: Right. And I definitely could see a Pamela Isley friend in need from okay. Selina Kyle. Like, I, I could see, you know, or vice versa, Selina Kyle coming to Batman with my friends and some help should something happen to her you know can you do something like mm-hmm. that that's something i could see and definitely have her maybe be manipulated by another force to you know wreak havoc upon gotham city but
2: yeah. well and yeah and the thing is too we got to remember at the end of the day at when it all when you boil it down poison ivy is an eco-terrorist so i mean her goal is to defend the planet her goal is to keep you know saving the plant life the earth keep it from getting damaged so i could see reeves kind of using that as like a motivation for a character to kind of do darker things and kind of similar to um the animated episode we reviewed where they introduced poison ivy pretty poison yeah she didn't at no point in that episode yes she had the the living plant thing that attacked batman But she wasn't, like, controlling the plant life. She wasn't, like, sprouting. You know, nowadays people think Poison Ivy, because of, like, the Arkham games and, like, the Harley Quinn cartoon, they think of, oh, the girl that is half woman, half plant shoots plants out of her hands kind of thing.
1: They think more in the metahuman sense as opposed to the human sense. Right, 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 right.
2: So I could see, given that they were able to do that in the animated series— She, you know, she is poison ivy. She's seductive. She has plants at her disposal to attack the character, but she isn't like a, you know, again, she's not a metahuman. She's not touching the ground and bringing plants to life, that kind of a thing. And honestly, I could see that working for Reeves.
1: And honestly, even after what happens at the end of this movie with Gotham being flooded, obviously there might be some, you know, shrubbage and you know leaves it wide open, right. you know, room for plant life to grow. And as a result, maybe someone wants to tear something down. And there you, there you go. She introduced mm-hmm. eco, not necessarily eco terrorists, but, you know, like eco pro. I,
2: no, I don't even know. Yeah. What the in right in, in her eye, I could see it along the lines of like, in her eyes, by this happening to Gotham at the end of the Batman, this is nature's chance to take the city back. So she's going to defend it.
1: Yes, very much so. Again I, again, I could absolutely see her being utilized by, you know, some other malevolent, bigger force in Gotham manipulation mm-hmm. to some extent or another. But also, at the same time, she is a very strong, independent character in her own right, and I feel like you could do it really one way or the other. Yeah. But yeah, the Poison Ivy is my my number 10. And yours was the Falcons. I'm going to go yep. ahead and type that down for noteworthy purposes. Falcone Family. All right, what's your number nine, Craig?
2: So my number nine, again, as a side character, kind of in the world, but not like an outward, full-out threat, Um, kind of inspired by the episode we're going to be reviewing here in a little while, uh, Roland Daggett. Oh, okay. I would like to see an interpretation of Roland Daggett. Um, We've never seen him in live action that I ever can think of. He's always been an animated character, as far as I can remember.
1: Rupert Thorne and Roland Daggett were for sure created for the animated series. And I yeah. feel like they weren't quite replacements, but they were like, you know, modernized revisions of the Falconis and the Maronis maybe mm-hmm. to some yeah. extent or another, but maybe just like their own spin, not necessarily on those characters, but just like spiritual successors to those characters in some way. Um, to my knowledge, the only Daggett I remember is John Daggett from the dark Knight rises. And he is essentially the same thing as Roland. Daggett. Yeah. Very much, you know, um, not concrete, but you know, um, um, um damn it, what's the word? Uh, I we just watched the episode with him in it. Uh, um, <laughs> he's not... uh,
2: construction of some kind. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, yeah.
1: he's more or less in the construction business, but very much in the you know dirty side of being a construction business owner.
2: Yeah, yeah so I, I could see that. I would like to see that because, especially again, what we're going to talk about later on about the animated episode. This idea of this corrupt like businessman who has this like great demeanor about him in front of the public, and he's got all these supporters around him, and then secretly he's just doing the darkest, dirtiest things behind the scenes. Again, we're gonna go into it on the animated episode. Um, but I, I think that would really work for Reeves's world, this character who is using everything at his disposal behind the scenes to get what he wants.
1: And honestly, again, you know, at the end of this movie, the city is left with a lot of infrastructure that needs Mm -hmm. catering to. So it would be a nice intro for him to come into play. Not a bad choice.
2: Perfect opportunity for him to come in and roll in and try
1: to take over. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, it would also be another nice foil to Penguin on the, -hmm. the, you know, crime side of things.
2: Or a partner.
1: Um, Yeah, or a partner. You're right. Good point. Um, my number nine is Man Bat. Oh, okay. And the reason I pick Man Bat as a side antagonist is because I can absolutely see Doctor Kirk Langstrom being utilized to some extent or another by somebody else, in you know, to try and better their own odds. And as a result, maybe he takes an experiment he's been working on. And, again, I point to the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes franchise, you know, the Planet of the Apes franchise. Granted, Matt Reeves did not do the first movie, Mm. but he very much took that character who was created by scientific real-world means, quote. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, you know, fictional movie, whatever. But the point is, he he made an animal, like, feel human, right? Yeah, very true. I feel like if you wanted to do Man-Bat, I feel like Matt Reeves absolutely could.
2: Yeah. But yeah, now that that I think about it, yeah, that could totally work.
1: And it's really, it would be really interesting to see because it would be, you know, it would kind of follow into that, that supernatural esque kind of storytelling that Batman does dip his toes into, to some extent or another, you know, he's fighting a giant were for lack of a better phrase there. Um, I just feel like there'd be something very interesting there, you know, Batman versus man bat, because I don't think that's ever been done in live action. And I would love to see that.
2: Yeah. I I mean, we've seen it plenty in animated. They even did as much as I'm not a a big fan of Arkham Knight, uh, the video game, uh, the man bat sequence was absolutely riveting. Uh, The first appearance of man bat in that game scared the absolute bejesus out of me.
1: (laughs) Well, he's like a side quest in that game, if I remember correctly. Yeah.
2: Because he just it just happens at some point. I, I think it's like randomized in the game. I don't remember mm-hmm. exactly. I just remember I was grappling up to a building, and all of a sudden, this giant freaking man bat pops his head in front of the screen and screeches at you. And I'm like, "Holy crap! What is this?" Yeah, that
1: I think it's it's randomized. You have to be flying around the city, just kind of yeah. scoping shit out, and then man bat just comes and gets you, like the boogeyman.
2: Yeah. So ever since that, the idea of, man, I'd love to see this in live action just popped in my head and has stuck there.
1: Well, now it just hit me, you know, now that Batman is now, you know, kind of reborn and reformed and trying to be a more symbolized version of hope. What if Man Bat's out there killing people and Batman gets framed for it?
2: Yeah, that's very possible. I
1: sure. mean, that
2: was honestly, that was kind of the plot of that animated episode. Very with true. Man-Bat. On leather wings. Everyone's like, wait a minute. There's this thing that's a looks like a bat going around attacking people. We got this dude who's claiming he's a he's a massive vigilante. He's a Batman. Wait a minute.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that'd it, be it, interesting. And it would be kind of another detective story because Batman would have to figure out. Well, uh, I'm obviously not killing people. He maybe finds a hair or clip of a wing at a crime scene or something, and then tries to figure out and figure, oh, it's it's bat DNA. And mm-hmm. Gordon be like, bat DNA. Yeah. <gasps> Like, it would be a nice mystery for them to solve, too, you know? Yeah. Uh, All right. So far, we've got uh, Poison Ivy, The Falcon Family, Man Bat, Daggett. What about your number seven for side antagonists?
2: All right. So this one's going to be interesting because he was one of your honorable mentions. Um, For me, my next side character, and kind of run with me on this, Bane. Okay. Now, the reason why I say side character instead of a central villain, when I saw Batman in the film, when he injected himself with, they didn't say what it was, but I'm pretty sure it was Venom, Mm -hmm. just because of the way his body reacted to it and the way he beat that dude to a pulp. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, in my head, the very first thing that popped in my head Given this world that Reeves is building, I don't see the Bane that we're used to seeing. I'm not picturing big hulking guy with a mask that's going to, you know, inject it and become like gigantic and everything. I'm picturing him as almost like this drug lord, This Mm. guy who is behind the scenes in the dirty, really grimy, dark side of Gotham. He's dispersing this stuff. He's sending this drug out to people in Gotham, getting people hooked on it. Yeah, Yeah, this super steroid to get people hooked on it so that they come to him wanting more. And he's building this kind of drug empire while, you know, Falcone and all his guys are pushing the real drugs. He's got this steroid that he's using to really get people to come to him and be like, I want to be stronger. I want to be, you know, able to handle myself out in this dirty city that we live in. I really, I'd be very interested to see if he goes that route with a character like this instead of the typical Bane that we think of. And even very different from uh, Nolan's version of Bane, because Mm -hmm. yes, he was very different. It was a very interesting kind of take on Bane that Nolan did. But he still had the mask. He still had the, you know, he was able to fight really well. I'm just picturing a Bane that is more of a, a, again, a drug lord. Maybe he does. Maybe it does end up Batman confronts him at some point. So Bane is forced to inject himself with venom so that he can, you know, go toe to toe with Batman. But I'm not picturing the same Bane that we're so used to since the 90s.
1: You know, he is from Santa Prisca. He grew mm-hmm. up his life in prison predominantly. And, you know, I'm I'm not trying to make, you know, generalizations or anything like that, but but typically, you know, people in that kind of crowd or in that kind of world do fall and you, you know, into more the way they make their profit, more often mm-hmm. than not, involves drugs to some extent yeah. or another. So I feel like that's actually a really nice way of being faithful to who the character is without outright ripping off what he was initially in the comics and you know the more i think about it that is a really great idea because if he is if he if that if if imagine if like the year one lineup that he dealt with like this version of batman dealt with was like you know you have joker you've bane maybe like dr death or like um God, I don't know. I, I, there's a couple other ones that probably come to mind immediately, but that, that that's actually not bad. I could definitely see that happening too. And even, you know, this version of Batman hasn't quite seen such a physical menace
2: yet too yes. as, as far as threats. So Yeah, he's he hasn't had an opponent that can match what he, he's capable to do in that suit, so mm. it would be interesting. And honestly, the as I thought about it more, I mean, Bane was one of my first ones that I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to put him in the side character category but then, the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, wait a minute. With this kind of interpretation of Bane, you know, maybe Batman is, you know, trying to stop his drug empire. Bane starts getting fed up with Batman interfering. What if Reeves does his take on Nightfall? This Bane goes out and gets villains to cause chaos for the Batman to give him his opportunity to break the bat now again it's probably just a bit too soon because we did see that in nolan's version right
1: that's my only
2: real and that's the like, only reason why yeah. i don't foresee it but i'm sitting there going man what it? what if we had the true nightfall storyline with this world
1: i think there's a way to do that again only because and here's why i say that how many times have we seen the joker done differently in live action very now? true you yep. know that's not to say you can't you can you can't do the same thing for Bane because yeah. you can. I, I feel like there is a way to do that. And honestly, you know, Batman Arkham Origins kind of took it in a different direction in that, you know, they had Bane infiltrate Wayne Manor, but they didn't have him break Batman. They had him break Alfred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Very Which is true. To me, what if Alfred's the new punching
2: bag in this trilogy? Like everything bad <laughs> that's supposed to happen to Batman, they just <laughs> keep throwing it at Alfred. Oh, poor Andy Serkis. I hope that's not the case. Yeah, uh, he gets he gets uh, attacked by Bane. He's like, Not this again. <laughs> Not again. I still haven't paid off the hospital bill from the first movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: uh, so you have Bane, my yep. number seven, Hugo Strange.
2: Interesting. He was, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll just say, I mean, he was my next one on my side character, oh, okay. so we can just throw him together. Yeah, All he right, was my fine. next one.
1: Okay, I'll just go ahead and throw that up against my next one. Just gonna- yep. But yeah, Hugo Strange, for me, he hasn't been done a live action before, mm-hmm. and I feel like you could have him in the background in the, mo- in the next movie, yep. and his whole stick is, I want to know who the Batman is, so what does he do? He constantly profiles the Riddler to try and figure out yep. who is this guy.
2: Yep, yeah, there's nothing Hugo Strange is obsessed with more than revealing the identity of Batman.
1: Exactly, and who's the closest person who came close enough to doing it. Yep. Which, I will retract myself a little bit because in our initial review of the episode, I thought Nick, sorry, Edward Nashton knew who the Batman was, but after seeing it twice, I now, I've, I've paid it more attention to the movie.
2: Yeah, um, see? So you did kind of catch on to what I was saying in the last episode. I just, I felt like, He kind of indicated that he knew, especially, like I said, with that scene when he says Bruce Wayne and, you know, Pattinson's eyes kind of get real big and he's you can tell Pattinson's like holding back his anger. But as their conversation carried on, I'm like, I I don't think he actually knows.
1: Right. Because after he repeats Bruce Wayne two or three times, he says he's the only one we didn't get yep. which means yep. he does not know phrase yes yep. which means to me he does not know that batman is bruce wayne which yep i
2: actually like yeah i liked it too
1: i i know a lot of people who are just gung-ho about the idea that riddler needs to know who batman is i'm like eh, yeah. nah no that's where the fun comes because that's the one thing he shouldn't know
2: yep and kind of what you're saying here maybe he meets Hugo Strange and they both go, why don't we work together? Let's figure out who the Batman is.
1: And also I will just also reiterate that Riddler knowing who Batman is, it's been done before 1995 mm-hmm. Batman yep. forever. We don't need to tread down that road again. I love the movie, but we just yep. don't need to do that again.
2: And that would pl- a character like Hugo Strange would play into what you were telling me earlier today this spin-off Arkham show yes. Very possible. Yes, Hugo exactly. Strange could be a major factor in that show.
1: And it's not like he hasn't been a part of Arkham Asylum before. That was in yeah. Gotham. It was yep. obviously in uh, Arkham, City. Arkham, Arkham City. Arkham City, yep. I think, is probably the most prominent of it all. Yeah. Is where it really got some some hype and some praise.
2: Yeah, that was the first time I think ever that Hugo Strange was a known name in Batman was the Arkham City game. I think. Longtime fans of Batman know who Hugo Strange is, but that was the first time that character was given like a full reveal, a full a, a lot of attention brought to mm-hmm. Hugo Strange.
1: And you know, while we're on the topic of Hugo Strange, I really wasn't too big on the look of him in the animated series. There's a lot of villains I love. I didn't look like of. that either. Yeah, he's I did the not only like one. The one. He, he's yeah. the only one where I look at and I'm like, eh, I'm good. I like the I like the episode. I like the premise. I like what he yeah. does, but I'm just like, eh.
2: I'll I make, even I, I wasn't know. I wasn't overly impressed with how he looked in Arkham City, but he did look better. Oh, I think Arkham City is probably the most perfect he's looked in well any ever. <laughs> but, well,
1: you know, B.D. Wong did a really good strange in Gotham. As much as I did not like that show, I feel like the casting in, in, in that show hit more than it missed. And I and I do think B. D. Wong did a pretty solid job as Hugo Strange. All things considered.
2: Oh wow, B. D. Wong was Hugo Strange? Yes, he was. Okay, I just looked up a picture. That hey. is that's really good, actually.
1: Yeah. Watch the watch a couple episodes. You'll be you'll be pretty surprised.
2: Wow, that is great casting.
1: You know, maybe as a joke when we're done after Batman the Animated Series, we'll just move right into Gotham. Oh boy. <laughs> just just for shits and giggles, yeah. folks. Just for yeah, you maybe. fine people. <laughs> oh boy.
0: We give it back to you, the
1: people. <laughs> so your number six or number yeah your number six is hugo strange mm-hmm. my number seven is hugo strange my number six lady shiva
2: wow that's a good pull i didn't even she didn't even cross my mind
1: i could absolutely see lady shiva being hired hand for yeah. any big crime boss in gotham but then she comes blows to blows with batman and she goes oh bruce nice to see you Let's, yeah. let's go a couple more rounds, shall we? That's That would be the fun part. Have him come to blows with somebody who already knows who he is.
2: Yeah, that's really that. good. I didn't even think of Lady Shiva. That's a great poll.
1: You're welcome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, I, I would, she
1: hasn't been done in live action. I would love to see her done in live action. And I know a lot of people are like, Nightfall, Nightfall, Nightfall. I'm like, yeah, but she's been in other shit than Nightfall. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. But truthfully also, because I would love again to see... Another physical opponent for Batman and female antagonist.
2: Yeah, and it there would one, also and one that's not one that we've seen before. Right, it's not Talia, it's not, not Catwoman, yeah. it's not Poison Ivy. So yeah, why not? It's not Harley Quinn because oh, yeah. I, I remember I remember seeing something about uh, there was some article somewhere that said something about like they're hinting at putting Harley Quinn in the next the Batman movie and I'm like, yeah, eh, that's, Okay. Yeah, First of all,
1: the rumor originated from Giant Freaker Robot. They're full shit. Number yeah. 2, they <laughs> said Anya Taylor-Joy is attached to the role. I'm like, "No. She's uh. doing the prequel uh Furiousa flick with George Miller right now." Yeah. That's gonna take a while, and I don't know that she... Uh, meh, I don't know. And again, I don't th- considering the Joker get introduced I don't know that you're so quick to jump in and do Harley Quinn right after that, because then you're just kind of assuming that the Joker is going to be in the sequel in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Well, sorry to burst your bubble, folks. Matt Reeves has even come out and said, yeah, no, I don't even know that he's going to be in the sequel. And I'm like, you know what, Matt Reeves? Good for you. Please. Put and I'm okay that, with that. Put that shit to rest because yeah. I don't think the I, honestly, I don't think the Joker needs to be a central antagonist. I feel like he should mm. be like supporting antagonist more than anything than yeah. central antagonist. Yep. But. It's like we talked
2: about in the last episode. I I think if the Joker does end up becoming a part of these movies, he is one hundred percent for sure not gonna be in the second one. That would just be pulling it in way too soon. It would
1: be riffing the dark knight i don't think he wants to exactly and i
2: that's that is not reeve's goal here
1: right and i just i just don't see that as he even says it like i'm gonna take him at at face value everything Uh that he said regarding what he's done with batman he's followed through with yep so if he's telling me that i'm probably maybe not going to use the joker in the sequel okay cool i take his Uh word for it i have yeah that that's where i'm at i take his word for it Somebody else who assumes because oh well this must be it because this is what happened in the movie. No, that's yeah. not how it works anymore, Chief.
2: Yep. Maybe maybe Joker becomes a part of this Arkham show in some capacity, but he is not gonna be in the sequel. I feel like
1: the Arkham Asylum show is going to be we're gonna see Batman put some people in that. And I feel like the entirety of this of the series could very well lead to a finale in which there's a confrontation between this version of the Proto-Joker, or whatever And Batman in his first year. Mm -hmm. And that's how it ends. Yeah. But I digress. I have no idea. I'm not in that kind of no. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) um we are going on to our last and final side antagonists. Uh I have, you know, Lady Shiva and Craig has Hugo Strange as our number six. We're moving on to number five. Craig, what is your number five? So number five
2: side character for me is uh Professor Pig. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Um I think that absolutely with the world that Reeves has shown us, uh, this character would fit right the frickin'
1: – Oh, that um, would
2: be exquisitely you, you creepy? Are talking to, you're Ooh. talking about one of the creepiest, most disturbing characters in recent Batman – quite honestly, I think he's one of the most disturbing characters in Batman, Batman's Robes Gallery. You're talking about a dude that is this, like, twisted surgeon who – just has this idea of people being physically perfect. And controlled. Yeah. I mean, that to me just seems like that would be a perfect person to have in this world. But again, I don't foresee him being the central main threat. Maybe he is, you know, he's something that Batman has to take care of while he's dealing with everything else that is going on with the central villains of the next movie or the third movie or wherever they would decide to throw a character like professor pig in.
1: I actually really like that. Thank you, Grant Morrison for creating the character. Number one. Yeah. Cause unreal. I remember, I remember the first time I read, uh, I think he shows up. I think it's Batman and Robin, the Batman and Robin reborn line is when, when pig is introduced. Cause they think there's also El Flamingo and the circus crew too. Like they're all in that, that, um, that run of comics. But yeah, I I remember seeing Professor Pig in one of the the Batman movies where it's Bruce is Batman, Damien is Robin. It's in
2: that that new animated universe. It's I think think it's um Bad Blood? I think it's it's Bad Blood. It's Bad Blood or is it um Oh my gosh. Versus Batman versus Robin. Batman versus Robin. I think that is the because that's the one where they finally have their like split. And I think that was the beginning of it. Is that um, if I remember right, Damien murders Professor Pig.
1: I think so, but I—I I,
2: it's been a while. It's
1: been, yeah, it's been a long while since I've seen that that whole animated universe. And honestly, I, I love that animated run of movies. That whole little universe is just dope. But yeah, Professor Pig was in that. I think it was operating on Two Face. Oh, was he? I think so. <laughs> I I I think it's Batman versus Robin. Cause that's the one. That's the one where they they fight the man bad army from Talia. I think.
2: Oh, it says. Uh, it says Suicide Squad: Hell to Pay.
1: That's it. That's yep. what it is. Yep.
2: Uh, I Professor Pig it now. was going to give Two faced surgery to even out the scarring in his face. However, Scandal Savage and Knockout interrupted the process, claiming yep. he needed to help their patient. Pig reluctantly accepted their offer. That's
1: right. Yep.
2: Yep, okay, yep, this is all coming back to me now. because yep. Yeah, this is the suicide, the suicide Squad movie where they're trying to get the get-out-of-hell-free card.
1: Yes, Amanda Waller is um, stricken with a brain tumor, a knockable yeah. one at that, and she yeah. is keen on getting that get-out-of-hell-free card or whatever. Yeah,
2: Yeah, and then, um, what's-his-name, uh, Savage. Um, mm-hmm. Oh my god, Vandal Savage. He Vandal kills Savage's Professor daughter. Pig yep. after Professor Pig Gets the um, get out of hell free card uh, attached to his heart. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's all coming back to me now. I remember this. I did. I just watched this movie not too long ago.
1: I actually quite like both Suicide Squad movies that they made. Me too. Uh, Assault on Arkham and that one.
2: Yeah, Hell to Pay was a lot of fun. That Dude, one I really really enjoyed. Christian
1: Slater is Deadshot. Please, yeah. yes, all the <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, but okay. So you've got Professor Pig. I have <clears throat> Mad Hatter.
2: Mad Hatter was going to be in my honorable mentions. He just missed it.
1: So I think Mad Hatter absolutely could be that that smaller Tweedledee, Tweedledum twins type of, mm-hmm. type of villain, like that you know that small fry that Batman goes after before getting into the big fish.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's kind Very of well Could be
2: at. you know what came, came into my mind when I was thinking of the Mad Hatter is perhaps he's this. Kind of similar to how in The Dark Knight, you know, the first thing he does is he takes care of Scarecrow and his goons one mm-hmm. more time. Mm-hmm. I kind of see that with like Mad Hatter, you know, in the next film, maybe Mad Hatter is this this character who was inspired by what the Riddler did. So he's trying to, in a way, mimic the Riddler or keep, keep the vision of the Riddler going. But he's more inspired by the Lewis Carroll books. So he's the Mad Hatter and he's got maybe a a small little group of goons that follow him around and they're trying to do something in this now defunct destroyed section of Gotham.
1: That's, I like that. I will counter it with my idea for Mad Hatter in that maybe he's the one who picks up the drops business adhering to Penguin.
2: Oh, and then he takes his
1: own bit of formula or whatever. He alters it somehow or some way and Mind be- control. exactly
2: yes yep yes i like that yeah you know what's even was. funnier yep.
1: is is barry keegan before he you know outed that he was the joker mm. it was rumored that he was the mad hatter i and could see is. that yeah but yeah i, I definitely feel like it, it, no pun intended because mad hatter is more often than not depicted as a very short person in mm. in comics uh, I, I I think that you know Mad Hatter is absolutely in that that viable side antagonist side of things where he could be again you know just a small fry for Batman a bust before he moves on to the the bigger bust. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I like I, that. I like that you took the route of him being inspired by the Riddler and having that that Alice in Wonderland motif. I like that. I I really do. That's that's not out of the realm of possibility, Mm -hmm. especially with this world.
2: Well, and Especially because, too, you know, the more I thought about it, uh, and again, I'm going to have to pay more attention on my second viewing tomorrow when I go Mm -hmm. to see the Batman again. I feel like, so, remember the whole exchange between Batman and Riddler in Arkham, and he's telling him that, like, I was an orphan, you know, I was abandoned, Mm -hmm. I was... Mm
0: -hmm. All this Mm -hmm.
2: stuff. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how I was in there with all these other children that were ignored. What if some of those children become new villains as well? And maybe one of them is Mad Hatter. And honestly, in my opinion, I think, yes, he probably had some people that were following him on social media that, you know, that big, the big climax at the end of the film with all of the Riddlers that were going to shoot the crowd. What if some of those Riddler people were orphans that were abandoned and followed this guy who went through the same hell that they did.
1: I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah. Very much so. I like that quite a bit. <laughs> I dig it. Yes. Oh man, and we're only just wow. Well, and we're, we're
2: yeah, we're just now getting to our primary villains. Yeah, we are
1: an hour into the show and we are just now getting into our primaries, but yeah, that, that is a solid list right there. So we've got as our side antagonist, we've got Mad Hatter. Professor Pig, Lady Shiva, Hugo Strange, Bane, Man Bat, Daggett, Roland Daggett, Poison Ivy, and the rest of the Falcone family. I could definitely see all these characters fitting into the Matt Reeves universe of Batman. Mm -hmm. Yep. But, now we get on to the main entree. The big squeezes primaries the primary (laughs) antagonists these are the antagonists the main focus of which i would love to see in a future batman movie featuring robert pattinson obviously directed by matt reeves
2: um i'm not gonna go first so craig go ahead and take it away so um my number five of primary villains is the only one that i feel it's a retread of a character from past movies okay but I would like to see Reeves' interpretation of it. Uh, Two-Face.
1: Oh, USOB. That's my number four. <laughs>
2: yep. So, yeah, Two-Face. Uh, I want to see this character in this world. I think Reeves would knock a character like this out of the freaking park. Um, I mean, the set- the Especially considering, yeah, considering, what do you know? Gotham doesn't have a district attorney right now. Hmm. How convenient. Yeah. Um, and also, too, again, I like the Nolan movies. I think they are great films. Um, one of my main criticisms of The Dark Knight, I loved the character of Harvey Dent. I feel, just this is just me personally, feel free to bring the hate mail, I feel that Two-Face was very rushed in The Dark Knight. I feel like they were constrained, and I feel like...
1: I'm sad he I, died.
2: Yeah, I feel that's really like where,
1: where my my I felt comes, like yeah. they were
2: opening up for him to take over and become the main villain of the next film. I felt like it was all lining up into place. I honestly thought I remember specifically when I was sitting in the theater watching that movie when he uh, when he kills dude in the taxi. Mm-hmm. I honestly thought we were nearing the end of the film because I thought Two Face was going to like. Get away at that point and go off and get ready and to be said to be the main villain of the next film. I was very, very disappointed in the ending. I mean, the ending to The Dark Knight is good. I like the way it ends. I like how, you know, Bruce decides that I need to become this focus of, you know, I am now a villain in the eyes of the city. Mm -hmm. because to keep the hope alive i totally get why they did what they did at the ending i just don't like the fact that they i really really felt like they rushed through two-face for such a central important villain that two-face has been throughout the years for him to just kind of go out like that especially the way he died that Mm -hmm. like that fall Mm -hmm. like when they fell and I remember specifically, I remember sitting in the theater. I saw it at the Greenback Theaters. ironically, the same one that you and Terrence went to to go see mm-hmm. the Batman.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I saw the Dark Knight on opening night at that theater. And I remember sitting there, and they they take the fall, and Batman rolls over, and him and Gordon are talking. And I was sitting there going, wait, you're, you're kidding me. Two-Face died from that? No. And I, I just got so upset. I was so upset that they killed Two-Face off like that. So I really want to see Reeves do this, and I want to see Reeves really bring this character home.
1: So, as I mentioned, he is my number four, and I I guess I will go ahead and talk about him now. Yes, I'm right there with you. Would Mm -hmm. love to see Harvey Dent Two-Face show up in Matt Reeves' universe. A because of everything you just said, I was not. I'm not. It's not so much as I. I feel like it was rushed. I just feel like he was really shortchanged, and that the, mm-hmm. the, he, the he killed him. I was like, no. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. Again, I why? get why. I, I get why. Right.
2: Right. But at the same time, why?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I. I it, and I. Again, I feel like the setup is there because A, you have to address what the Riddler did. Mm-hmm. Right. His what he did involved Maroni. Right? So Maroney's probably going to get off and probably back onto the streets doing his own shit. So by that point, you're going to need a new district attorney. Yep. Well, who scars the district attorney traditionally in the comics? Mm Salvatore Maroney, right? So I feel like the pieces on the board are there for him to show
2: up. And you have a mayor whose goal is we are doing things differently from now on. Mm -hmm. So she's going to bring in a district attorney who is very much anti mafia anti corruption pretty much sounds like certain uh, district attorney that we all know exactly
1: and honestly i'm i'm not trying to do fan casts but ever since this movie started and ever since i've seen Tenet, i would absolutely adore to see john david washington be this version of two face
2: oh that'd be fantastic
1: because i wanted to see billy d williams be two face and i kind of got that with the batman 89 comic mm-hmm. but i i just really want to see someone Yep. In that same vein, just and I feel like he he has that 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 ability to flip a switch like John David Washington he can go yeah. from like cool calm collected to I'm a clown you in ten seconds flat or I'm gonna make you wish you hadn't stepped foot here ten seconds flat. So he's just really the only one I can kind of think of. And honestly, I really love his chemistry with Robert Pattinson as well and Tennant. Mm-hmm. Um, he,
2: he would make a great foil for Robert Pattinson's Batman. Right and i don't know that you
1: do the friend thing again but i feel like it's it's not out of the realm of possibility either
2: i could see it going along the lines of uh, ironically the long halloween they mm. are they are allies in a sense but they don't quite trust one another yes they they both have similar goals but they don't necessarily see eye to eye in terms of how you get to those goals right Right, right, right on all accounts. All right, so Two-Face.
1: Two-Face was my number four. My number five, um, to jump back to that, Mm -hmm. is Harvey... (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Harvey Dent. (laughs) Yeah. No, my number five is actually going to be Clayface. Oh, okay. And it's largely for the same reason as, as, as Man Bat. I think that there is a way that you can... Not necessarily I mean, yeah, it would be really cool to see like the big giant clay mud monster mm-hmm. be a, be a big foil for him. But I do think there is a way to tell a story with Clayface and have it make sense. Like I I do feel like you can have this you know kind of murder mystery with you know mm-hmm. the murderer is a different person every time, and it's up to Batman to figure out why is that the case.
2: Yeah, and I feel and like it could very much be like honestly what I'm kind of pe- picturing in my head is a uh, feet of clay just without the giant monster clay face. Yeah. You have this guy who has the ability to morph his body and some, some way Reeves can explain how he's able to do that. You just don't go the route of by the end of it, he's this hulking mass of clay that can like mutate into all these different things.
1: Right. And the way I would probably do it, each persona would be a different Clayface, like you've got Basil Carlo, you've got mm-hmm. Matt Hagen, you've got oh gosh, who was the third one? Something Williams, and then there's also a female. Cl- Let me just pull up Clayface real yeah. quick. But yeah, I, I would have each you know killer be you know a Clayface. It w- it would be a Clayface persona. Okay, so there's there's Matt Hagen, Basil Carlo, Preston Payne, and Sandra Fuller.
2: I didn't realize there were so many Clayface. There, there's actually quite wow. a few
1: now that I'm looking at it. Yeah, I, I would absolutely make Clayface, you know, I, I would I would do, you know, the, the different killers be different past personas of Clayface mm-hmm. in the comics. Like, that to me feels like, you know, a route you could do to make it feel grounded, but also at the same time, faithful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Clayface is my number five, uh, your number five is Two-Face, my number four is
2: Two-Face, who is your number four? My number four... Mr. Freeze. <laughs> I'm not ready to talk about Mr. Freeze yet. Yeah. I had a feeling. <laughs> Given our past episodes, I had a feeling. But yes, he is my number four. Um I'll go into just brief reason why. Um it's because I know that you'll probably have a lot more to say about it. Um Main reason I want Mr. Freeze, he he needs justice. <laughs> he needs <laughs> redemption. I my boy my, my my boy Victor freeze he needs a return to form in live action he is such a standout character in Batman's robes gallery he the animated episode that we reviewed I mean it can't be topped it is one of the absolute best animated episodes of a show I've ever seen does so so much in such a little amount of time tells such a great story for this character that you're supposed to not like because he's a villain but you totally understand why he's doing what he's doing this character needs redemption we need to move We need. when I think of Mr. Freeze in live action I can't just picture Arnold Schwarzenegger we need something else Matt Reeves please
1: without getting further into it I'll just say I agree yeah (laughs) and with that said I'll just move on to my number three that way you can give your number three afterwards my number three is none other than Thomas Elliot Hush
2: Ah, good one. I like that.
1: So I absolutely feel like this is a possibility because yes. of you know, the little Easter eggs that were propped up in the Batman. You know, there was a reporter who tried to you know out the story regarding Martha Martha Wayne and her past with with you know being an out of Arkham and stuff like that. And they even made it a point to throw the word hush over dude's yeah. name, right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah. could you be any more obvious with what you're trying to convey yeah. right now? And I don't mind it, I don't. I actually really appreciate it. But I do think that there is a, there is absolutely credence to have Thomas Elliott show up, maybe even have him be an old friend of Bruce Wayne, or even have him resent Bruce Wayne because of what happened. Yeah. I, I absolutely think that that is possible. I feel like he could absolutely be a puppet master in Gotham City.
2: Yeah. Now, I am not too familiar with Hush just because I haven't read that storyline, but oh, I've, I've seen the I've seen the animated movie. Uh, I I know about the twist, yeah, yeah. I know about the change they made at the end of the animated movie. I don't like it at all. Neither <laughs> do I. I'm not too big on it either. Um, But I could totally see that as a possibility for a future central villain.
1: Well, I also just think there's something eerily creepy about someone who just wraps their face in bandages. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a very, you know, that would really, like, it, it would be not quite what happened with the Riddler. It would be a bit of a different mystery because, like, this is Batman going, well, you're targeting me specifically for something very specific. Who are you? It would be it would be personal again. Like yeah. this movie was for him. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. So my, my number three is Tommy Elliott Hush about you, Craig?
2: My number three, again, this is a character um, has not appeared in live-action movies. Well, sort of. (laughs) Uh, Kind of, a little bit. But it's a character that I want to see fully realized in a live-action movie. Uh, My number three is Mr. Slade Wilson, Deathstroke.
1: Oh, you're pulling real deep from the DC Pantheon. Mm -hmm. Okay.
2: I want to see Mr. Deathstroke in Matt Reeves' universe, I think it is totally plausible. Um, you you know, this assassin that comes in to Gotham to maybe it's revenge for the Falcons. Who knows? Uh, from these enemies that Batman has made so far in Reeves' world, they find this absolute beast of an assassin and set him out in Gotham to take out the Batman and to see a fully realized fight in live action between batman and deathstroke would be absolutely amazing to see on screen i am so sad that we won't be able to see that after the tease of snyder's deathstroke can i say something real quick
1: because you just mentioned that i don't care how much hate mail this gets me honestly this is the way i feel anytime i think about that movie and i think about the fact that didn't happen because joe mangino would have been a great deathstroke Mm -hmm. opposite ben affleck's batman Mm-hmm. The only thing I have to say in rebuttal to that entire notion is, and I'm going to have to bleep myself out for this, but I <laughs> care, Jeff Johns.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That
1: dude is the reason that shit didn't happen, so Kim him. Anyway, yep. I'm right there with you. I absolutely yeah. think Deathstroke would be an amazing villain to, to have opposite against Batman, not only because of what we could have seen with Batfleck, but even just, just the idea of watching Deathstroke this masterclass assassin, like he, he's literally, I, I, I question putting him on my list, but I didn't because, you know, because of what could have happened and because we already kind of got him in a prior Mm -hmm. for, you know, Zack Snyder's justice league, that whole bit was just phenomenal. I would have really liked to see that. But to your point, I would also like to see a version of him appear here. Like I, 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 I do think that is something that you could probably do. And, you know, it it's kind of the opposite for you know Rachel Ghoul for me like I, where I feel like he's been done a couple times on you know yeah. between TV and streaming and all that shit
2: animated yeah
1: it's like he's one of my favorite villains I don't care give me more of him mm-hmm. I'd I'd happily take it I would happily take Bat Pattinson's Batman versus a Deathstroke I would Any and you
2: almost got to wonder with with Reeves I just I just get this feeling that Reeves truly cares about this world and these characters he really cares about batman and his world i think reeves could be the kind of person that looks back and goes man those fans they didn't get deathstroke in snyder's version i'll give them mine
1: and you know i know there's a lot of other people out there who, no deathstroke's a teen titans villain no Uh, and it's like uh he's called Slade Wilson Uh the Terminator he's not called Slade Wilson the Titan Slayer he's called Slade Wilson the Terminator for a reason and honestly Solomon Grundy started out as a Green Lantern villain he's now kind of segued into a Batman
2: villain you know it's very much a people when you think Solomon Grundy you think Batman I'm sorry and
1: and, and I feel like Deathstroke has kind of evolved in in, in a similar way I mean Mm -hmm. yes predominantly large antagonist to Dick Grayson but guess who trained Dick Grayson Batman Guess who Deathstroke Deathstroke always talks shit about when he would uh, confront Nightwing? Batman.
2: I think definitely, I think the turning point. I think Deathstroke and Slade Wilson got a lot of attention during, you know, the animated Teen Titans show back in the day. Correct. I think the turning point, though, where he very much changed from a quote-unquote Teen Titans villain to a Batman villain was Batman Arkham Origins yes. and that absolutely amazing fight sequence that you partake in.
1: So you know that trailer that they did for that? Yeah. That 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 4-5 yep. minute intro trailer where they yep. showed off Batman Arkham Origins, that was directed by Tim Miller.
2: Really? I did not yeah. know that.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that is hands down that that was the thing that that Affleck mm-hmm. looked at like I want to do that and it's like, yep. "Oh man, we I, could have want, had that. We could have had that. I want to. I still want to see it, and I still think yeah. it's possible. And honestly, I want to see one of my favorite panels realized, and that's Batman having his ass handed to him by Deathstroke and being thrown off a clock tower. That's mm-hmm. what I want to see.
2: Yeah. Hell yeah. I, I Deathstroke. could absolutely see Reeves do that. Oh, yeah.
1: that's. I'm glad you brought up Deathstroke. <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail for it, but whatever. Nah no let the hate come and anyone who listens to the show knows damn good and well how i feel about that dude in the ball cap so yep uh moving right along we're on to our number twos holy shit wow
2: well buddy what's your number two so my number two is a little obscure just mainly because i'm not too familiar with the character um i know a little bit about her um But I'm just intrigued, especially since this focus that Reeve seems to be doing, especially now that we know that there's going to be a Arkham spinoff show. Uh, My number two is The Arkham Knight, Astrid Ah. Arkham. Hmm. I really think this, what they have shown us so far in the Batman, the fact that we are getting a Arkham Asylum spinoff show, the fact that they really do tie the Waynes and the Arkhams pretty close in this movie mm-hmm. to the fact that, you know, Martha Wayne was an inmate of Arkham Asylum. hmm I could very much see a disturbed, vengeful character like Astrid Arkham come into this franchise.
1: Well, she would at this point in this in this universe by that very definition she'd also probably be a relative of bruce wayne yep which the arkham knight persona would another kind of like dark twisted take on the character but yeah i could see that working honestly
2: yeah so that was just one as i was scrolling through and again i'm not too in the terms of the comics i'm not too familiar with the character but just reading it and just understanding The history of the character and kind of the backstory, I'm just kind of like, I could really see Reeves weaving this character in.
1: My only familiarity with this character is um, before I stopped working at that comic book store, I was reading a a run, a a, a book called Task Force Z. Basically, Jason Todd is running like a suicide squad of of undead characters being brought back to life semi kind of by this like Mm -hmm. Lazarus Resin type deal. Arkham Knight is part of the lineup. Oh okay, yeah. That's that's literally my only familiarity. I was I knew that Tomasi was doing a new version of Arkham Knight, but I didn't dive too deep into it because you know the only Arkham Knight I remember is Jason Todd. Mm-hmm. So this is all new, complete new information to me.
2: Yeah. So just but to I, give you a, I, a but, quick but, idea, i going good.
1: But but based on what you've instilled in me so far, I'm I'm not opposed.
2: Yeah. So I'll just give you just a quick, this is what I read that just kind of made me go, made me think of Reeves's world as I'm reading this. And I'm like, this would work in history. So here is, according to a uh, uh, Batman fandom uh, wiki, this Mm -hmm. is the history of Astrid Arkham. Astrid was born in Arkham, she was born in Arkham Asylum. Mm
0: -hmm. Her mother
2: was killed by an unnamed prisoner with a batarang during a riot. She, ra- she was raised within the asylum where her father could keep her close and walled off from the rest of Gotham. However, Astrid would always find ways to sneak into areas she was not supposed to go to and interact with asylum inmates. One day, Astrid witnessed Batman fighting criminals on the asylum grounds. She began to associate him as a villain as, that she needed to oppose as a way of dealing with her fear of him. As she got older, she became more firm in her belief of Batman's villainy before learning that a Batarang was used to kill her mother, which pushed her enough to become the Arkham Knight. Hmm. Interesting. And then eventually, I guess as I was reading it, eventually she formed this, like, cult following called the Knights of the Sun, and they their whole goal is to destroy Batman and everything associated with him.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
2: Yeah, so I don't know. It's a a newer character, something that I'm not too familiar with, but as I read it, I was like, man, I could see this in Reeves' world.
1: Yeah. I actually like the New Blood angle of that, of -hmm. a a villain like that. And honestly, my number two is kind of in that same vein, but I feel like once I say it, you're like, (laughs) yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My number two is, um, this actually shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody, uh, the Court of Owls and their talons. Yes, the talons. I like it, Yes. yes. Yes, 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 yes. And it's it's really no surprise. I feel yeah. like this. They might have been teased if you pay close. If you if if you take the Riddler's first mm-hmm. riddle, that yep. card. If you take that as an Easter egg, more than anything, yep. very well could allude to the Court of Owls. But I do feel like that um, with the Waynes and the Arkhams being you know mixed together, but also having like you know for lack of a better phrase here their dirty laundry aired out and mm-hmm. the fact that they weren't you know, quite the pristine, perfect people that they've been depicted as previously, I do feel like that variable could open the door for maybe they were a part of this really evil secret society that's been you know, controlling Gotham for years.
2: Yeah. And I, I, just as a quick aside, I just got to say, I did find it refreshing in Reeves's Batman to finally see an interpretation of the Waynes where they're not just like the... The upstanding citizens against the corrupt world. Mm -hmm. It was very interesting to watch that movie unfold and see that, like, nah, the Waynes are just as messed up as everyone else in this city. There is no... There is no savior in this city. Everyone has been touched by the darkness that this city has.
1: Yeah, and I... And honestly... You know, it, it also is kind of a reflection of, of our world because I don't think it, yeah. you know, nobody's perfect straight up. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like that that was something that, that Bruce just had to had to accept by the end of yep. this movie after his conversation with Alfred. Like, you know, Alfred kind of reinforces, you know, your father was a good man, but in a time of weakness, he chose and he made a mistake like any person would. Yep. And I feel like that's a very real thing. And even with Martha, you know, dealing with mental illness, that's that's not an easy thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And even if you are just these people who have to maintain an image, and I think it was less about maintaining the image, more so it was just, you know, it it was their business. That was really what Thomas Wayne was really trying to protect, was like, this is my family's livelihood. This does not need to be shotgunned for the world to see, to have an opinion on. And, well, I don't disagree. Maybe he shouldn't have turned to Carmine Falcone because it very well could have cost him his life. Yep. But that, again... You know, it, it's a cycle. And as far as Batman's concerned, anyway, like it's a never ending cycle. And I feel like that it's up to Bruce and at least to him from his perspective, like he doesn't want that to continue. And that's why he needs to be Batman.
2: And for us to find out that she was an inmate of Arkham, just that really wowed me in the theater mm-hmm. because we have always as far back as you and I can remember, you think of Arkham Asylum, you think of this decrepit, just evil place almost. Just mm-hmm. this place where the most vile, sadistic people are held up in. Mm-hmm. And knowing that Batman's mom was in there, that is just like, whoa, wait a minute. This is a whole new ball game we're, we're dealing with here. And it also
1: even just kind of reinforces his own insanity. I mean, let's be real. yeah, that, A grown man dressing mm-hmm. like a bat, beating up criminals. That's kind of insane, but... Mm-hmm.
2: It, it's the character, you know. He, he, at least, he acknowledges from time to yeah, I'm crazy. As Batman says, or as Pattinson says, his Batman is a weirdo. His Batman's <laughs> a
1: weirdo, and his Batman's nuts. And yep. well, I mean this in the nicest way possible. The apple did not fall far from the tree.
2: Yeah. So yeah, no, I could definitely see with what we have seen so far in the Batman, a concept like the Court of Owls and the Talons. Mm-hmm. sign me up. I'd love to see that in this world. And they could, again, like you said, they probably have ties even further down in the depths of Gotham more than what we've seen already. I agree completely,
1: but I would like to see them, but I would also like to see them with, um, another villain that I'm not quite ready to talk about yet. So I (laughs) I need you to go ahead and get your number one.
2: (laughs) All right. So here's the interesting thing. My number one was one of your honorable mentions. Um, I am only saying this is my number one because it's something that, again, similar to the Batman movie, the Batman movie gave me the Batman movie I have wanted to see all my life. I want to see this character fully realize on the big screen in live action, the Phantasm. Ah, okay. Because as, I mean, I make no bones about it, but prior to this movie, Batman Mask of the Phantasm was my absolute favorite Batman movie. I love that movie. I grew up with it. I remember seeing it in theaters. I watched it all the time on VHS. Yes, kids, there was a thing before DVDs and before streaming. And Blu-ray. Yeah, and (laughs) (laughs) Blu-ray. Yeah, I, I have watched that movie so many times as a kid. And I love the concept of the Phantasm. Um, If you've listened to our commentary episode, I get giddy every time the Phantasm comes on the screen. I want to see that character realized in live action so, so badly. And I think given what Matt Reeves has shown us, I think he is the perfect director to bring the Phantasm to life.
1: I feel like it's possible.
2: I just... I'm just not sure that, that the popularity is there. Don't get me
1: wrong. I, would, I agree with everything you just
2: said. Yeah. Because no, I totally agree, and I agree on your end. I don't think the Phantasm, in terms of popularity, would be there. But, man, I believe he has the vision for it.
1: I also think the inner workings of the character just fits super well with the sensibilities here. I mean, because yes. if, if you don't have Selena Kyle pop back up for the sequel... Well, mm-hmm. maybe there's another love interest in Andrea Beaumont, but then that's the twist at the end of the, you know, towards the end he finds out, oh shit, my new girlfriend's the person I've been fighting this entire time. How mm-hmm. am I gonna, how 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 do we resolve this? Like that would kind of be a, a bit of a different wrench for Batman to deal with that we have not seen before. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there, but again, I just I really hate saying that 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 the popularity isn't there, but I do love. That the Batcat book even kind of brings the Phantasm back into the light that mm-hmm. Tom King and Clayman, Liam Sharp have been doing, that I need to finish because I've only got like up to issue eight or nine. and I haven't gone back to a comic book store for good reason, mm-hmm. but um, I I feel like I feel you know I might just buy it on on you know hardcover you know trade yeah. whatever comes out that way and finish it that way. But yeah, yeah, I really do like the Phantasm. I think that's that's a honestly that's honestly kind of full circle because my list with honorable mentions started with phantasm and you're you have phantasm at number one so that's mm-hmm. really perfect right there
2: yeah and just again as i was going through my list and i'm just sitting in my head i'm just playing out all these plot lines in my head and what i kind of envision in this like version of the phantasm that i see is second movie andrea beaumont comes in as a character she's not the phantasm yet Mm-hmm We've got this. Obviously, we're gearing up for some kind of a new crime war because Penguin is now going to try to take the reins. Falcone is gone. Probably going to see Maroney come back. There's going to be these factions. Maybe Andrea Beaumont is tied to one of these factions. And as we saw in the Mask of the Phantasm movie, her father was involved with one of those mafiosos. Things didn't work out for him and that's what led to her becoming the Phantasm. Maybe that's what happens. They introduce Andrea Beaumont. She is tied to one of these criminal organizations that is battling the Penguin or something like that. Something bad happens to Dad. She gets vengeful. She sees this, well, there's this vengeful guy going around dressed as a bat. I'm going to go around and dress as the, uh, the, the Reaper and go out and kill every mafia guy that had anything to do with my father's death.
1: I can see it. Yep, I can absolutely see it. Um, you know who I would cast too. Mm. I again, I'm not trying to fan cast, but she uh, uh, apparently I just read today that um, Florence Pugh is actually in talks to do Dune Part Two. Oh, nice! As, as one of the main characters there, and I'm just like, yeah, I'd use her in anything, but I'd love to see her play the Phantasm.
2: I could see that honestly. Maybe
1: I'm being a little biased because I just. Love her as uh, Yelena Belova Bilo- in Black Widow. She's probably the best part of the movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, but ever since not only that, there's another m- Midsummer. Ever since I've seen Midsummer. her in, yeah. in in that and Midsummer, I'm like, she's amazing. Put her in all the things, please. I could
2: definitely just. I mean, looking at, I I had to take a look at her screenshots real quick just to remind myself. But yeah, a care uh, an act an actor like her. I could totally see as like this very innocent character who has but a very sinister super dark side. Cold. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So you have the phantasm. I'm gonna go ahead and just get my number one out of the way. This should come as no surprise to anybody <laughs> at all. Gee, I wonder. Oh gee, I wonder. It's pretty cut, dry, and cold and obvious. The, the wonderful should... cometh. Yes, that's right. My number one pick is Mr. Freeze. I Perfect. absolutely need to see Mr. Freeze yeah. in Matt Reeves' universe. And I, I know he's mentioned Hush. He's mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, the, the cast has mentioned Court of Owls. I think Mr. Freeze and Court of Owls would be a deadly combination, truthfully. Yeah. But I need, I need Mr. <laughs> Freeze. I need, like, a tried-true Heart of Ice re-adaptation. Yeah. I, I need my num. I Riddler is my number one. Right behind him is Victor Freeze. Yeah. When I when I tell you, I need Victor Freeze in the Batman universe. <laughs> I mean it. I that, that is one villain that I'm just like, you know, he did mention that he'd love to do it and I'm like, "Yes, please. Yep. Go on. I'm listening. Yep. I'll throw my whole damn wallet and bank account at you."
2: Here. Yeah, if I recall, I remember it was Reeve said he would love to do Mr. Freeze pants and said he would love to see the Court of Owls. I'm like, "Why not both?" <laughs>
1: that was that was my wallet hitting hitting the table. Just <laughs> please. Matt Reeves, if you're listening, please do Mister Freeze. hashtag yeah. Please do freeze. Please do freeze. <laughs> <laughs> Come on.
2: hashtag Please freeze. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. And honestly, again, I I think that the co- there was a combination there with the Court of Owls and Mister Freeze because they were kind of intertwined a little bit in the, in the Night of mm-hmm. the Owls yep. big event thing. Yeah. But I feel like if you're going to try and use the Talons as these undead assassins and you keep them in frigid temperatures who else better to accompany you than the man himself
2: the man who knows his cold
1: right and again i after looking at what he did with the riddler after looking at how he made the penguin after just how spiritually faithful he made these characters i'm just like he could do mr freeze and i hope he does
2: as long as he says one phrase What killed the dinosaurs? Oh, man. The Ice Age. No. (laughs) No.
1: Thousand times. No. Now, if he mentions having a heart of ice, I'll drop over
2: dead. He has to in some... There has to be at least something, even just a little thing. There has to be some kind of quick little homage to Short Snaker's Freeze.
1: (laughs) And truthfully, like there's there's a couple actors I
2: I could absolutely see playing this role. See, that's so. Who do you have? Because I ever since we started talking about this, my mind's just like I I don't know who I could see as Mr. Freeze. There are two actors immediately that come to mind for me. Okay, who do you
1: have? And ironically if they're both from Breaking Bad. Um, Brian Cranston.
2: Oh, that's a good one.
1: I'd love to see him be Doctor Victor Freeze. Yeah. And then Giancarlo Esposito.
2: Yeah, I could see that, too.
1: Either one of them, I think, would just be a phenomenal Mr. Freeze because they both have the ability to just be stupendously cold, especially mm-hmm. Giancarlo Esposito. If you've ever seen the Mandalorian, you've seen him as Moff mm-hmm. Gideon. Yeah. Dude just invokes the Mr. Freeze persona
2: to Absolutely. AT. Yeah, now that I think I'm just picturing, I can see him. In the Mandalorian, in the Mandalorian, and I'm just picturing him in a freeze suit, and I'm like, "Yep, I can see that."
1: I can absolutely see that guy in red goggles, yeah, hundred percent. And in and Brian Cranston, I mean, look at any monologue, evil monologue, mind you, that he's given (laughs) as Walter White. Yeah, it's there. It's absolutely not not the bald head. No, I don't give a damn if he's bald or not. But really, like it really goes boil down to like personality maybe who's done a really good job in a past performance. And honestly, those are the two guys that I think of. And I've seen a couple of, you know, fan arts and things like that. Yeah. More so with Giancarlo than, than Brian Cranston, but they're my two. Those are the two guys I think of. If, if Mr. Freeze were, if it were in my hands, that's what I would try and do. Try because I nope. would never try and force an actor into a role because that's just not nice.
2: I'm just picturing Brian Cranston right now. What killed the dinosaurs?
0: Oh, the ice age stop
1: <laughs> just stop you're <laughs> killing me stop with the ice puns <laughs> and i um, think gotham's gonna be a colder place all things considered yeah
2: i mean there's a lot of water going into gotham right now
1: mm-hmm. you could freeze it out of the out of, mm-hmm. out of the city i don't know mm-hmm. but yes my my number one is indeed Mr. Freeze.
2: I mean, that's as soon as you messaged me about like, hey, why don't we do villains we'd like to see And Matt the Batman world, I'm like, well, I already know Phil's number one.
1: <laughs> I gotta admit, I had no idea you were going to pick the Phantasm as number one. Yeah. I honestly thought you were probably going to throw... Um, I knew Two... I had a feeling Two-Face was going to be on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Deathstroke came to mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Professor Pig was the fun surprise. I like that. Yeah. And the Arkham Knight too. That one was the real nice
2: curveball. For, <laughs> I ah uh, damn it! I just realized I was gonna do it for my number one because I was gonna tr- I was gonna try to piss Terrence off. <laughs> I was gonna wait and say I was gonna say all right. So my number one is, baby doll. <laughs> oh i almost wish you would have let up with that i i should have damn it i just realized i was gonna do that ah that would have been perfect
1: you know what's funny about that is i did think of um other lesser known villains to use i Mm -hmm. had i had the ventriloquist on my list but i removed it in favor of man bat
2: you know i was i was toying with ventriloquist as well
1: well if you've read batman the imposter Batman the Imposter kind of reads like a pseudo sequel to the Batman and the ventriloquist is in that. I don't know that mm. that actually counts, but the ventriloquist did come to mind for me, especially with this world. I would definitely put him in the same kind of Mad Hatter esque role. Um, just as you know, small fry, bigger fish type of scenario. That That's yeah. really kind of where my mind was at with that character. But I, I, again, I took it out in favor of man bat because I just love man bat more, but yeah, baby, baby doll. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Terrence, I'm not sorry.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, not, not at all. <laughs> not at all.
1: Oh, hey, you know, speaking, speaking of, of... Yeah, the speaking, anime, of. speaking of... Speaking of... Speaking of... had to get that little pause in there yep. get the time. See, see,
2: i'm there getting better at the segues
1: <laughs> and i just wrote down the time so i know where to put the insert because i'm getting better at this um yeah we are in we are back in our review of batman the animated series and our latest episode that we are reviewing on HBO max for all you guys following along guys gals whichever happy women's uh, speaking of which happy international women's day craig
2: happy international women's day and we, we <laughs> talked about some strong women characters honestly
1: yeah, and you know, this this episode is actually it geared towards one of the stronger women in Batman's world. Yeah, absolutely. So, perfect time. Perfect, perfect time. Uh, the episode we're going to be talking about today is Appointment in Crime Alley. And that is, uh, as far as the HBO Max listing, that is episode 12. So, um, Craig, do you have any initial thoughts about Appointment in Crime Alley before we get into the meat of
2: it? So, this is an episode that I recall seeing as a kid... But, man, do you appreciate it way more when you're an adult. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is masterful storytelling, in my opinion. This is probably one of the strongest episodes in the animated series. I really, really like what they did here.
1: This is probably one of my... Much like um, Heart of Ice, much like um, Christmas with the Joker. Mm -hmm. It's not... It's the title of it I didn't quite always remember, but after yep. watching the episode, I immediately went, this is one of my favorites because it introduces Leslie Tompkins.
0: hmm
2: And, and it, it introduces us to the real sinister side of Roland Daggett. mm mm-hmm. um, We saw, I mean, yes, he did have a bit of a sinister side in um, Feet of Clay, mm-hmm. but he was just much more of a, you know, he's the boss man. Hey, goons, go take care of this problem for me. Right. This episode, you really see Daggett as this, like, really corrupt businessman. And which is why it's what led to me putting him in there as a potential side character that I'd like to see. Just this really scumbag business tycoon who acts all nice and pretty in front of everybody. But then behind the scenes, he just has he doesn't care about anyone all he cares about what's going to be best for his business. Correct.
1: Yeah, this episode was uh, in my humble opinion one of the one of the best ones, especially it stuck yeah. out to me because it it really does feel like, you know, when I watched the show as a kid, you uh, at least for me anyway, I always felt bad that, you know, Batman didn't have any parents. The only mm-hmm. people he really had were, you know, Alfred and then after this oh, he's got Leslie Tompkins too. So he really yeah. does kind of have like, you know, adoptive parents for for he, he
2: does have some kind of motherly figure in his life at least right
1: right and I, I i appreciate that and honestly you know i was kind of surprised that that um reeves didn't incorporate leslie tompkins but that's not to say she can't show, show up in a sequel so yeah you never like know mm-hmm. but yeah i i do really like this episode quite a fair bit um I was actually really surprised after watching it. Honestly, by the end of it, I was shedding a tear or two.
2: It is. It it gets very emotional at the end. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I guess we can finally kind of dive deep into it. Uh, Appointment of Crime Alley episode kind of starts off with – Roland Daggett. He's going to hire an explosive arsonist known only as Mister Nitro. Yeah, Nitro. To, I I, 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 know, I,
2: right? I had forgotten about that. I'm like the dude's name is Nitro. Yeah, or, he,
1: he's kind of like a you know short little penguin knockoff, no pointed nose, but just really you know kind of a round bulbous guy, short black hair. He's got kind of a voice like this. Yeah, just you know, typical g- genius, and I use that term loosely. Yeah, uh, genius in that he's a genius with explosives and they're going to fake an explosion to make it look like you know daggett should be the one to take over park row which has Mm -hmm. now been referred to as crime alley for anyone who knows where the significance of crime alley is yep pretty obvious Mm -hmm. but while you know kind of doing this and giving his um speech on television for the news bruce wayne is working out go bruce um, and he he's not falling for it one bit. He's just like, yeah, he's up to something. I'm I'm gonna figure out what it is. Yeah, which good on him. So as 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 that's going on, you know, he suits up and he's on his way into Crime Alley, and Batman has to like put pump the brakes because he just about runs into a little girl who's crying for help. It turns out, you know, there's a couple people who are invading her apartment. They're trying to force her and her mother out of the apartment. Obviously, this is part of Daggett's plan. These are probably his people telling people, you know, hey, y'all got to get out because this, this is my territory now. And things yeah. going to happen. So, and people
2: are literally like, where are we supposed to go? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And he doesn't care. The goons are just there to scare him out of the building.
1: hmm So Batman, as he naturally does, jumps through the window, turns out the light, takes these goons out, puts them kid back with her mother um and then he finds out that the people were told to leave their homes and that's where he really starts to get pissed yeah and then after that we get a segue to leslie Tompkins, and she's making her way out of what looks to be i think it was like some kind of shelter some food drive or something like yeah, that. yeah she was leaving
2: like a shelter or
1: some kind and you know she's she's kind of, she's kind of worried because she hasn't seen bruce yet they have a, they have a meeting right so then she um you know, whoever her confidant is, her friend, her ally—I'm not really sure which you want to call it—tells her, you know, be safe. And, and Leslie reassures, you know, you know, Park Row is my home. I'll, I can take care of myself. I'll, I'll be fine. Unfortunately, though, she comes across an abandoned building. There's a couple. She hears a couple things. She sees flashlights. She goes in to investigate. Sure enough, it's Mister Nitro and Roland Daggett's number one dude. Oh gosh, what was his name? Um wrote it down here at the bottom uh what is it what is it what a crocker there we go crocker yeah. and mr nitro they promptly kidnap leslie tie her up and set up the bomb underneath this building after which batman misses his meeting and you know he doesn't know where leslie is but is informed by her friend that she went looking for him after that uh nitro sets the timer Leslie tries to plea for the people living in this, you know, this burnt down hotel, but unfortunately is left there with a gag in her mouth, over her mouth, burner, and it's going, the timer is ticking. Um, After this, Batman is back in the Batmobile. He checks in with Alfred to see if Leslie has reached out, but gets sidetracked by the police. There's a hostage situation going down. It's on a billboard, and there's two people there. One's a disgruntled Roland Daggett employee who just lost his job, and now he's about to lose his home. Mm -hmm. So. And he's also pointing a gun at, you know, the innocent (laughs) bystanders, also at the cops down below Batman and the head cop who are, you know, having an exchange and trying to figure out and how to quell the situation. The cop leans in and points over or not really points, but he leans in and talks over his walkie like 10 seconds before we engage. And Batman's like, no, I'll handle it. And dude goes, who, who do you think? (laughs) Oh, Yeah. He looks
2: up and he's like, Oh, this guy. Oh, it's Batman.
1: Yeah. He kind of has that. Oh shit moment. So then, you know, Batman promptly sneaks up on the billboard, looks down put the gun down as mm-hmm. Batman would. Um, the man with the gun automatically assumes that Batman is working with Daggett. After this, they kind of get into a scuffle. The railing from the billboard gives, they go down the two people who were, you know, there—the the hostage and the person holding him hostage, the gun holder, whatever you want to call him. They tumble. Batman saves them naturally. And then he kind of, you know, disappears after that. And of course the cops like, Hey, thanks for your help. Oh, yeah (laughs) after that Batman goes to Leslie's apartment it's empty but he does see the book of memories in which there's a photo there of a younger Leslie Tompkins holding a very young Bruce Wayne more than likely Uh after the murder of his parents after which Batman notices that there is a there's a gentleman who witnessed the entire altercation between Leslie Tompkins and Crocker and Nitro and he's scared shitless of Batman. He doesn't even want yeah. to entertain talking to Batman because he's just so damn spooked. But again, you know, this is also a person who's very down. Um, I would mm-hmm. I don't want not say down on their luck, but obviously lives in the narrow, lives in Park Row, mm-hmm. very much affected by that kind of that kind of setting, right? And you know, Batman kind of spooks him. Finds out he was you know there, and then um, the the guy mentions that you know where where Leslie is, and it turns out. Corner of Finger and Broom. Now, I obviously Finger is a nod to Bill Finger, the legitimate creator of Batman. Uh, sorry, yeah. Bob. You're you only took the name. Anyway, Bob, is, there's a nod to Bill Finger, but also writer John Broom, who co-created Hal Jordan, the second Green Lantern. Oh, really? Hmm. At least that's if, if that's the Broom that, that's being referred to. I could only imagine so. Like I did I did a whole little search about it, but. Yeah, the that, that corner finger and broom, because broom did work on Batman a little bit in the Silver Age. Hmm. And he had a couple different aliases, yeah. As the clock ticks closer to nine, Dag is at the dinner, consistently watching his clock, with a smirk on his face, knowing full well what he's about to do. After this, we see Batman trying to, you know, maneuver his way to Leslie, but unfortunately there's a trolley that's out of control because the driver's passed out. Batman races to save these people and of course we get this really sweet look of a grapnel using to quick turn the Batmobile as mm-hmm. to make a brilliant which I think was in um Bat the the game Batman Vengeance. That was absolutely a thing that you had to do.
2: Oh really? Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever played that one.
1: It takes place in the uh, not the same continuity. Well, I guess it is the same continuity because it's literally drawn and looked the same way as the animated series, but it's like the new Batman adventure. So we're Batman's like, you know, black and gray, Tim Drake's Robin. Um, it's, it's in that time frame, give or take, but yeah, there, there's a certain point in the game where you have to drive the Batmobile and to turn, you have to use the grapnel hook to make the turn. Otherwise you just go straight into a building and (laughs) that game over. Yeah. (laughs) But after that, uh, The trolley is going to crash in oncoming traffic. Batmobile gets out of his car. He gets out of the Batmobile and tries to get in. But unfortunately, the side door that you know people would come in and come out of is locked. So Batman gets back into the Batmobile, gets in front of the trolley with the Batmobile, and then begins to stop it with the Batmobile's turbine reverse thrust and the back tires get thrashed. Only the rims are still on. And, you know, Batman successfully stops the trolley. But his car
2: totally gets thrashed in the process. Yes yeah, he loses the Batmobile <laughs> for real.
1: After that he looks at the clock he realizes he's only got 15 minutes to find and save Leslie Tompkins. He locks the Batmobile Batman return style and mm-hmm. then goes on. Um, Nitro and Crocker are at some kind of you know they're they're in like they're on the city street they're kind of talking shooting the shit in front of like a, a giant semi and Batman's there. He's He already knows what's up, so he confronts both of them, punks them for the information, and then leaves them in the back of the yeah. truck with all That's the like explosives. A,
2: yeah. He throws them in the back, and they're like, wait, what are you doing? They, he throws them in there and just locks them, and I'm like, oh my god, he's going to leave them in there with all the explosives.
1: And I also really love how Batman just straight called out Nitro and all this shit. He's like, huh, you're out, and you said, you." Yeah. You're, 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 like, he just basically calls him on as you know you're not supposed to be you're doing the shit, and you're clearly yeah. doing it. What are you and doing? He
2: knows. He knows him by name. He just drops mm-hmm. a nitro.
1: Mm-hmm. So nitro obviously, in his spooked, scared shitlessness, and you know, lets Batman know, yeah, yeah, it was Daggett, right? And then Batman promptly locks them in the back of the truck, which I still find funny as hell. The way he even just breaks the lock off too. I'm just like, well, how yeah. did you get him out there at the end? <laughs> no, that doesn't matter. Huh. But Better Batman needs
2: ma- police to clean up. Uh, probably.
1: So, Batman manages to save Leslie, and he stops the bomb in the SRO hotel. And um, after that, 9 p.m. reaches. Bombs go off in Park Row. Daggett gives his speech. So, after that, Daggett shows up to some of the bombing sites, and it turns out that all Daggett did was just bomb a couple of condemned buildings that mean SFA. hmm But, since the police can't quite pin the crime on him, even though his right-hand man is right there... Yeah. He gets away, because... Roland daggett is a man of power he's got money and obviously it's it's a little bit like a uh, little bit like the dark knight and that you know the, the big fish make bail easy he would yep. make bail because he's
2: he's rolling daggett now he's able to just say that i'm not associated with them i have nothing to do with this and he's able to just get in his car and drive
1: mm-hmm. off at which point batman's like you lying
2: sleaze yeah batman's so mad that's what i love he is so angry that daggett is able to get away right but I love it. It, take, it takes Leslie to be like, calm down. You know, you'll get him another time.
1: Right. She even, she's like, you know, let it go. Basically, it was worth it because you saved the people,
2: but it's not worth it getting
1: mad over. Mm-hmm. To which point, you know, they have their meeting. They go to the very point in Crime Alley. And then there's just this really beautiful moment of Batman dropping two roses on the ground for Thomas and Martha Wayne. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then she
2: hugs him just like the picture.
1: Right. And then the picture comes in, and that's where we fade to credits
2: yeah, very excellent episode. Um, I also appreciate the fact that what we are now according to HBO's HBO Max's continuity, we're on episode 12, I think mm-hmm. and we still for as much as people say, oh I'm tired of seeing the murder scene of the parents, we have not seen that yet. We're 12 at this point you would be 12 episodes in and they've subtly hinted at his parents' death a few times throughout these 12 episodes, you still, at this point, we don't know... If you were someone who has never watched this show, you don't know anything about Batman. You still, at this point, don't know exactly what has happened to his parents. Mm -hmm. But this episode does a really good job of showing, without just straight up showing you a flashback, that something really bad happened to his parents... It has affected him. He's dealing with it. Crime Alley has something to do with it. He has personal ties to it, and there are other characters that were affected by this. Yeah,
1: I, I, I don't really have anything bad to say about this episode in any regard. I think it's probably one of the best ones they've ever done.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's, it's easily one of the best, at least in the, in the first batch of the animated series. I adore it. I love the character of Leslie Tompkins and I'm still waiting for the day that they do her in, in, in movies. I know, she's been in yeah. Gotham. I get it. Cool. But I, I really want to see I, I really want to see the character in a movie. I think she'd be a really great addition, especially to, you know, for Batman and Bruce. I, I really do think
2: that she's a great character. Another thing that stands out for me is uh and it's always stood out for me even as far back as a kid, uh, the voice of Roland Daggett, Ed Asner as Roland mm-hmm. Daggett. He, man, he brings it every time he plays Roland Daggett. That voice is just so perfect for that kind of character.
1: I'm pretty sure he's also... Let me see. Oh, that's right. He passed away last August. He did, sadly. I forgot about that. Yeah. Rest in peace, Ed Asner. Mm -hmm. But he was also the voice of... Oh, man. Come on, where's where his career? There we go. Filmography. Television voice roles. I know for sure... Okay, Batman the Animated Series. Uh, Animaniacs, he was Papa Bear. Uh, <laughs> Gargoyles, he was Hudson. He was J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man show. That's right. Yep. Oh, wow. I forgot about that. Oh, shame on me. <laughs> um, that's right. I just remembered he's granny goodness
2: he is he is oh my gosh goodness. i completely forgot about yep.
1: that he's granny goodness and super in Superman, the animated series and i would also have to wager probably justice league unlimited there it is yep
2: mm.
1: oh i also forgot he's also got a voice he's, he's in the boondocks too
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I
1: love the Boondocks. Just yeah. Side note, everybody, I love the Boondocks. Yeah, he
2: was Granny Good. I'm looking at it here. Uh, he was Granny Goodness in Superman Batman Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. That, oh, oh shit, that's right. Yep. Oh
1: my god, I forgot about that. That's such a good movie. And that,
2: probably outside of, you know, comic book shows and movies and stuff. I mean, most people, if you think of Ed Asner, you
1: <laughs>
2: excuse me, you think of uh, Carl from Up.
1: Yes, very much so. Yes. I'm trying to think. Who else was he? I've got I've got his list. Oh, yeah, he is in Jumanji. He's the voice of the judge. I forgot about that, too.
2: Yeah, what a career for this guy.
1: Eh, indeed. Rest in peace. Ed Asner was one of the best, the best. I, that voice is just unrecognizable. It's mm-hmm. unrecognizable, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Holy snap, I, did, I didn't even put the correlation together that that, that Ed Asner was Roland Daggett. Wow. <laughs> Hot damn. Hot damn indeed. Well, buddy, uh, looks like our next episodes are... I'm going to do the next three here, list them off. Next one is POV. After that is The Clock King. And then finally,
2: The Last Laugh. <laughs> well, that's, that's the one wow. I'm waiting for.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, to be brutally honest with you, the one I'm waiting for is the one after The Last Laugh, and that's Eternal Youth. I really, uh, love, I yeah. really yeah. love that episode because so that's another Poison Ivy episode. Mm-hmm. But yes, for any of you guys listening and paying attention, following along, uh, we just wrapped Cri- Appointment of Crime Alley. We're moving on to POV next. After that, again, Clock King and the Last Laugh. Those are the next three episodes on the docket. But Craig, my guy, we're
2: already at a whopping two hours. Holy yeah.
1: shnikes! One of our
2: longest. I think this is longer. This this might be longer than the last week's episode of our review of the Batman.
1: No, I think the Batman episode was just as long. Let me just double check
2: that. I'd say like two hours, three minutes, something like that.
1: Something like that. This one is just over two hours. I don't think and- it's the longest one we've done, though. I think the longest one we've done was either one of the legendary moments, or probably our co- one of the Batman and Robin commentary,
2: probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we have some- uh, what a legacy!
1: Indeed. Oh, shnikes. I wonder what what, what, what we're going to do next. What what commentary yeah. track we should do next. I don't know. I'm honestly not too sure. I'm sure we'll figure it out. I'm sure you all might chime in with something. Speaking of which, if you all want to chime in, by all means, leave us an email. EternalNightPod at gmail.com. You can interact with this show at T-E-K underscore podcast on Facebook and Twitter as well as Instagram. Um, you can also leave us a review on Podbean or iTunes. That would greatly help the show and get us noticed. Um but yeah, I think that is where we are going to put a pin in it for this episode. I'd have to imagine. Craig, any last words? Any other villains? Anything else you want to say to our fine fellow listeners for tuning in for as long as they have?
2: No, I mean, if you're still here, thank you for listening to us nerd out over all the different villains in uh, that we can per- that we are thinking could happen in Matt Reeves' world. Um, yeah, this has been a ride. I had fun with this one.
1: Same. This was this was just. It's always fun catching up with you. It's always fun podcasting with you. I'm so glad I've just got just such an awesome podcast hosting you, my man. This is just too much fun not to pass up. Yes, sir. Well, my guy, where can people follow you along or give you shit if they want to? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah. Uh, Feel free to send any comments you want uh, to my Instagram. It is at Craigy Omega, so C-R-A-I-G-G-Y-O-M-E-G-A, yeah, I'll be tuning into The Batman for a second time tomorrow. Can't wait.
1: And I <clears throat> might see it a fourth time this weekend. I'm not really sure. Got to do my taxes. Got to work out some more. Got a lot of stuff I got to take care of. I might see The Batman a fourth time. But th- three has always been my top. I've, I've never seen a movie more than three times in the theater. I've <laughs> seen The Batman three times. I saw Batman versus Superman three times in the theater. I saw Avengers Endgame three times in the theater. I wish I would have seen Spider-Man no way home in the theater three times. I only managed to <laughs> see it the once. I'm pretty sure I saw Dr. Strange twice. I don't know why I watched Captain Marvel twice, but I did, <laughs> but yeah, if, if, if I like, if I see a movie three times or more in the theater, you, it's, it's pretty safe to say I love it. And I loved yeah. the Batman. And I'm very curious to see again, right, much like Craig, I'm very curious to see who else pops up in this world and who else Matt Reeves decides to, to bring to light. Um, If anyone wants to follow me along, it's just at unfiltered, U-N-P-H-I-L-T-E-R-E-D-D-D-3-Ds, not five, and that's Twitter, Vero, Instagram, the whole nine. Thanks again, everybody. Stay safe, and as always, tell your friends about us. And remember, be Batman. If you can. (laughs) Did you find a body? No. And next time, keep your other assassins out of my way. You had your shot, Deathstroke. But you're not the only assassin in town. And the night is young. Thank you for listening to The Eternal Night. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Media or DC Entertainment. All thoughts shared belong to those involved, and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. Drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you.